The following is a part of the Radio Memphis On Demand service. It originally aired live on Radio Memphis and has been edited for time. 21st of November here at the uh, bottom of the hour and as promised we have uh, we have we have we have some live music happening tonight and we have a great conversation ahead of us too with Mr. Vestide Jackson. Hello world. How are you sir? <laughs> Man, I am so great because I am back in Memphis. I've been in Memphis what twice in the last 10 days or two. Yes. So that's that's a great thing for me. I used to spend so much time here years ago. Well, thank you for coming up. You're, uh, you, me. you you live down in uh, Cleveland, Mississippi, Hattiesburg. right? Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg. I'm, I'm, I'm way away. Oh, you're down by, you're down on the beach. Oh, about an hour from the Gulf Coast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was up working with some friends uh, in in Cleveland, so. Uh, uh, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah, so I misunderstood that, so yeah. sorry about that. No, it's okay. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. I love the state of Mississippi. I know it has some backward parts to it, but it's a gorgeous state. Backwards? What, what do you mean? Well, sometimes their politics can be a bit weird. You're talking about Tennessee or Mississippi? Mississippi. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Tennessee, Tennessee, too. Tennessee, Tennessee. Well, a lot of the southern states Tennessee. are like that. Tennessee, yeah. <laughs> I, I, there was this whole talk about you know that if you if you were to take if you took you know Louisiana and Mississippi side by side mm-hmm. and you cut it you know across mm-hmm. you know east to west mm-hmm. and make the top part Louisiana and the bottom part Mississippi, then you had something. Okay, <laughs> you know that actually, was actually actually I think Brad Webb and J D Taylor wrote a song called Tennessee. Now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. I believe yeah. they did, yeah. Well, I mean, it's great because when I come to Memphis, I don't have to leave Mississippi because Memphis is the northernmost city of Mississippi. You're correct, sir. There you go. And the way the way the politics in Nashville would be, they would just assume that Memphis belonged to Mississippi. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you don't really feel Tennessee until you get past Jackson, I think. I think you're right. Well, another type of Tennessee. But I love Tennessee. Sure. And you know I love Memphis. Memphis, yeah. uh, you know, it's what's in, what's at least for me it is. Um, uh, it's the culture here. Uh, it's 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 this melting pot from not just Mississippi but uh, mm. Arkansas, yeah. Missouri, uh, Kentucky, sometimes Texas a little bit, uh, lots mm. of Louisiana here. There's a, there's wonderful things that have happened, and over the course of my time here, I have learned so much about the real roots of American music. Oh yeah, I like to call uh, Mississippi. Louisiana and Tennessee, the Trinity of American music. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean because when you mm-hmm. when you go from down south, you know, from let's just say the Gulf of Mexico or right. New Orleans, Mobile, all that area, and you come up, you know, through Mississippi, and you get, you know, about the icons. You know, I mean, Bo Diddley and Robert Johnson and mm-hmm. King, and you know, all of these people, Elvis and all that. And when you get up, you know, to Memphis, uh oh. That's it. That's, I mean, it's the Trinity. I mean, if you yeah. stopped, if music came from nowhere else but those three mm-hmm. places, I mean, you got mm-hmm. Jimmy Rogers and Robert Johnson. I mean, what bookends? You know? Perfect. Yeah, that's so, a great, beautiful way to put it. Yeah. yeah so. And and I and I know that didn't you do a, a tribute album to Jimmy at one I point? Did, mm-hmm. I did. I did. I um, did. Uh, it's 2016. Actually, nominated for a Grammy in the uh, best uh, traditional blues category. And um, yeah, you know, I, I was actually. I, mean, I, I do acting as well, so I, I got a call to do a play called America's Blue Yodeler mm-hmm. in the life of Jimmy Rogers. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I know y'all ain't calling me to play Jimmy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and they weren't calling me to play Jimmy. They, they call uh, about me playing Hobo Bill, which historically, if you know that story. A little bit. Yeah. Yes. And he was a hobo harmonica player that Jimmy... You know, as a younger guy, spent time around. And so Jimmy would say, I'm yodeling the blues because he heard 
this Africanized melodies and words from sharecroppers and people and hobos and transients coming through. And so a friend of mine, Brett Gully, who's a wonderful, wonderful country singer, you know, guitarist and just just incredible Jimmy Rogers presentation, <clears throat> called me about playing the part of Hobo Bill in America's Blue Yodler. And I said, okay, yeah, tell him to send me a script. And so I looked at the script and so I'm like, okay, we can do this. And he says, uh, and then the, I guess the director calls and said, well, do you play harmonica? I said, no. And he said, um, well, we need someone who can play harmonica. I said, well, when, when is the play going to start? And it was, I think it was February. He said, well, it's, you know, the 1st of May. I said, don't worry, I'll be playing harmonica by then. So, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. We're good. So, so they, they sent me the music, you know, and uh, and it was such a treat. But while I was studying the music, because there were segments in the, in the play, the musical, where Jimmy and... Um, uh, Hobo Bill were doing duets. So I was going to the Jimmy Rogers song, Where's the Guy Play Harp and all of this stuff. And man, I just got so much into the music and I was listening uh -huh. to it and I'm like, Jesus uh -huh. Christ, man. You know, the thing is, is that, yeah, right, Jimmy really was yodeling the blues and the soul of Jimmy Rogers is the blues. And it's like, bing, this light goes off. So mm -hmm. I'm practicing the music anyway, right? Right. So I just had my my laptop and my interface there on the table like this. I just began to record the music and just record some songs, some of those songs. And not trying to imitate Jimmy Rogers, but right. just how it made me feel. Sure. And um, Well, there's an interpretation that goes on in there. It does. And so, and, you know, I can't yodel anyway, so no point in trying that. And if you picked up harmonica that fast, I think you could probably pick up a little yodeling along the way. <laughs> well, well, it was funny. I, you know, I, I was just, I, I learned the parts. You know what I mean? Thank God for years. And so, the part, so you know, the thing about, about that was that, that it just touched me. I mean, I could really relate to it, especially reading the history and then doing research and listening to the music. And so, I recorded the thing, you know, did it all, you know, at home. And sent it to Naris and pressed up a thousand copies and, you know, went to Brazil for a tour. And that then I got a call to do the Bobby Rush record, Porcupine Meat. Yep. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Which, you were on Porcupine Meat. Yeah. also got nominated, and as I understand Grammy. it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it won, yeah. Yes. So that year I had two records nominated for Grammys in the same category. So I was like, oh, well, of course I want to win, but if not, I want Bobby to win because either way, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> The thing was is that so so when I got back, I was working on the Bobby Rush record, Porcupine Meat, and I had this script. And then I was in between, you know, the script and doing doing Bobby's record with uh, Scott Billington. And and then I okay, I gotta start really working on this harmonica stuff. We got about a month to go, so I got the harmonicas and then I started trying to play the harmonicas, then I'm like, Oh I started hyperventilating. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. I didn't know about the lungs, and then I brought wrong hearts. Harp, someone was wood, and they were scratching my lips, and I'm calling people on them. Come on, man! I got to do what I got. I got to get this together to learn these parts. And you know, so we got it together and everything. And then I just locked myself in a hotel for two weeks. Yeah. After I finished Bobby's record, it's like, okay, 
Well, already, you know, what you had going for you there, too, is that you're already an accomplished musician. So, you know, and I understand, I know, harp is its own thing. Oh, of course. And, uh, but a lot of guys that pick it up, they pick it up pretty quickly if they're already musicians in another aspect. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean. If they're a keyboard you can, you player can or a guitar player. Melody, it's just right. about placement. And, and, and for all of the harmonica players out there, please forgive me and check. I'm not a harmonica player. Okay. Well, you are now. No, I'm not. I'm good. No, I'm not. <laughs> Come I mean, on. it's like piano. It's like I, I can pick through. stuff up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, I learned the riff, but I'm not going to like, okay, let me, you know. So you can get to the show. Yeah. I, think I, can, oh, I can learn the music and play these songs. Sure. Yeah, but I, you know, there's Jason Richie, there's Bobby Rush, and well, yes. Walter, and all Oh, these. yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you, Rick S- did S- you continue to play after that? Of used course to, I play? did not. I got to write Horner. You put that thing down and went, Screw Are this! You me, man? <laughs> I'm waiting for the next call. I'm just, you know, what I mean, I got, I got, still got all my harmonicas. You know, if I get a call to do it, yeah, know, exactly. We do the harpers. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mr. Jackson, we understand you play harmonica. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, and it's now on my resume, yeah. my bio. <laughs> yeah, next week, you know, come on, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it's not like you lose your chops on something like that. I guess. Yeah, it can't lose what you ain't got. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, but... Uh, so well, did you learn to play guitar that way then? I mean, you're oh, a guitarist, man. clearly. So where did that start? Uh, that's family. I come from a family of musicians as far as we can go back all the way. Really? So, so I... Lots of great did, musicians. I, am I understanding you grew up in Macomb? In Macomb, And how far away is that from Memphis? Forever. Forever. Uh, it's, Jackson, <laughs> Jackson is an hour 25 minutes from Macomb. Oh, wow. So, so it's like way down three, there. It's three hours or something. Okay. Yeah. Three half hours okay. from Memphis. And so, and so when I read that you played a lot of juke joints, mm-hmm. uh, what age did you start doing all that? I started doing that at 12. So I'm 62 now, so I've been a professional musician for 50 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And once again, it was the community where I lived in. There were lots of musicians. Right. My grandfather mm-hmm. played guitar and harp. Mm-hmm. And, and and he was like, you know, that blues guy who was a carpenter, who was a mechanic, who drank, who did all. And was mm-hmm. the, Lived the, 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 the thing, life, right? The yeah. thing. And, and my grandmother was, uh, was a preacher's daughter. So I had the blues like it. most of all my on Saturday side. nights and Sunday mornings. And, my, and the gospel and the country from my grandmother's mm-hmm. side of the family. So I it was always music. All because that's what my they did. They did music. And so they, did so, so. You learned it through family. Then they taught you how to yeah, play. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the name of the strings of the guitar until I was fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew nothing about anything academic about music. I mean, you know, you so. We but just, you could make the sounds, and you could. Yeah, I could play. I mean, make the sounds. I didn't know the name. I couldn't say what chord I was playing. Right. But I right, could right, play right. the music. Right. So, when did you remember first starting to hear like outside influences uh, as like as far as blues players? Oh well, yeah, of course. You know, the first the things were were my grandfather and my cousins. Um, my another one of my cousins who I heard at, at nine was the first person I heard play electric guitars, Reverend Charlie Jackson. And uh, matter of fact, it's so curious that um, Hank Williams Jr. recorded two of his songs. Um, uh, really? You know, hooked on Jesus. You can Google this. It's really interesting. Wow. You know, I'm trapped all tangled up in Jesus, and I don't want to get loose. And uh, and and. So that's the first guy that I heard play electric guitar was my cousin and my mother. We were right in church, and I remember, you know, he was playing like a, a Fender Mustang through a twin reverb. You know, I didn't know what it was at that time, but I can never, I can't get the image out of my mind. Yeah, right. right. And that was, a, I was like, wow, because my grandfather just played acoustic. Yeah, and so my grandfather taught him to play, 
and also my uncle who's still alive today, uh, little Freddie King. Yes. In New Orleans. That's my uncle. That's your uncle. Yeah. And so wow. Freddie's like maybe 80 now. Uh, probably somewhere yeah. around there, yeah. And uh and so and, and like so Reverend Charlie Jackson was the church guy and Freddie lived harder than my grandfather. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's doing great now. You know what I mean? Um but you he know, survived it apparently. He survived it. Yeah. He, he survived it. And he still plays, man, and sings. Really? And oh yeah, all over New Orleans. I mean, he's fly. Oh, I'll never wow. be as cool as, as Uncle Freddie. It can't happen. He's just... <laughs> what does he think of your work now? Well, you know... That's two different schools, really, if you think about it. Well, it's not It's not so much like schools. It's, it's that Freddie plays more in the family tradition. That thing. He does that Jackson, Leggett, Martin, Macomb, Mississippi. Yes, the gut thing. bucket. Yes. Right. Yes, I mean, and that's yes. it. The chicken dance and all kind right. of man. And so it is like the, it is the real thing. So I'm, I'm, and I, I recorded on one of his albums <clears throat> and we had a great time, you know, because as a kid I was around that stuff. And, and so when I came to Jackson at 17, a drum percussion scholarship to Jackson State, you know, I heard all that old music. And so, and you're sitting there going, "I know those guys. Yeah, <laughs> I'm related to half of them." You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but, but, uh, so we just had a great time playing. Yeah. And my grandmother yeah. was still playing guitar and writing songs at 92. I mean, wow. In April, Shut and she passed up. in July. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm so, sorry about that. Yeah, like right, just this past July. No, no, no. It's been like maybe seven, eight years ago. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. You know, so it was always there, and my grandmother would always, you know, correct you about you know your playing. <laughs> make it talk make it talk yeah. why are you making all that noise oh no you know? oh yeah and the beautiful thing one of the beautiful things we don't talk about this so much but the aspect of the sweet third as in the major third yes because you know the major third is sharp in the diatonic system yes it rings a little bit sharp and it's really you can be very annoying on guitars and sometimes pianos because of the overtones but you know not to get into that but well, you can but, but i you know you know there's a lot of musicians that are listening right now going, they're does. taking they're taking he's notes they're, they're, they're going oh yeah. oh yeah yeah and my grandma she always make sure you tune that third just a tiny tiny bit down so it, it was sweet you uh-huh know, it wasn't so bright yeah uh-huh you know what i mean because you know the, the third make it make it a hair flat yes yeah, right, there you go you know what i mean and hence so, was part of the spanish tuning if i'm not mistaken well spanish is like an open major Right, but but the, but the sweet the, third, the sweet third, it's always, it's always that little bit of something would drive right through it. So you right, got to right, you got to right. flatten it, it, it a little it's bit. Bright, it, it's bright, it's yeah, bright yeah. as little, uh, 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 you know what I mean. And it's happy, it's energetic, but when but you still get that joy if it's tuned just a tiny bit flat. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you know everything is relevant, pitch. Time, it is everything. It it's is just about the mood and emotion you want to set, and you know. Mm. Well, so, it's very, it's very human too. It, absolutely, without it being mechanical. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. But she yeah. was a stickler for that, man. And and like I said, she didn't know that it was a major third or minor third. She just knew how it sounded right, mm-hmm. and when it sounded right, and it would be so great, you know, you know, even you know, as an adult, when I would be with my grandmother, because I bought her, you know, a banjo. She wanted a banjo. I bought a guitar. You know what I mean? She's like in her 80s. And then she wanted a harp. I had to find her a small harp. You know oh, I mean? an actual plucking yeah, harp. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, it would just be such a treat, man, to just be with her. Oh, with somebody that already has that, that in their blood, in their, in their, in their soul. Yeah. And you, you put that instrument into the, and then all this, they well, fool around for a few minutes and they go, oh, this is how this works. And it's like they're driving they get up. something. Yeah. They get something out of it. And so, when, yeah. like, you know, when, when Freddie would come 
from New Orleans to see my grandmother and yeah. just have them together, you know. And so, um, yeah. What is, nice, don't make man. me get that sentimental. That is nice. Well, right? no, but you know what? A, what a special way to have a music education just yeah. out of the box yeah. with that. Yeah. So as you go on, as you grow up, and you go into school, and, and did you did you study in, in college? Did you I study? Did. Music? I did. I was a percussion major. Percussion drums, major. Because drums are my first first instrument. Really? But, yeah. But but the thing was, I got I could have gotten crushed, you know, about the whole music thing. Oh, it's easy to I get had crushed. Years. Uh huh. And so. My cousin took me to a rehearsal, even though I was playing with the old blues cats at 12 and 13, and that was a band called Tower of Soul, which was like this, you know, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, a tower of power. Nice. All of that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, yeah. Some of, the, some of the Motown stuff then, yeah. All of that stuff, you know, yeah. any ingredients, Motown. So, and I had cousins who were great musicians. Well, yeah. Me, so I, I went to a rehearsal with them, and one of the professors was a guitar player, and they were doing like a break or something and they were learning the song. So I was there and just listening. So I picked up the guitar and I began to play the part and they were like, what? <laughs> and so they, they, they. So you took to it like so, right away. Yeah, I had good ears. So they, so I was in that college band with professors and stuff and teachers and instructors and, um, they said, put the drumsticks down, here's the guitar. Yeah. And, but they were great drummers. So I was a kid, you know what I mean? So, well, sure. Yeah. So that, what happened was that's, when I really at 15 begin to hear other pay attention to other styles of music you right, know initially right. it was country gospel and blues because that was my grandmother that mm -hmm. was my grandfather sure and then you heard a little bit of whatever my mom and other people would play but that was still so you know that was like Aretha Franklin or Gladys Knight or mm -hmm. you know whoever yeah was kind of in the late 60s James Brown yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rufus Thomas Rufus of course you know yeah. and uh but I knew nothing about the world as far as like guitar players other than maybe a little BB King. Yeah. But just the people I heard in my community. That was it. And wow. Those, those are the gut bucket people and the and the gospel people, you know. So that's you know So at what point did you pick up the songwriting bit of it? You know, the interesting thing is I really don't know because I've always been the strange little kid, you know what I mean, who was always with a great imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, great doesn't mean that I was imagining good things. It's just that I imagined a lot. You know what I mean? So <laughs> great I, is in massive, just massive, not good, <laughs> yes. not bad. But I just, all of these fantasies. In other words, so you, you had were, a big like, vision. And, and weirdly, Vastai is my birth name. That's the name my mom gave me. Uh -huh. You know, and she wanted a daughter. So, so that wasn't a family name at all. That was just a name she came up with. It's my first name. Right, yeah. but I mean, but I mean, it wasn't a name that runs in your family. Not ran in the family, but she wanted a daughter, and she had already picked the name out, Vashti, V-A-S-H-T-I, which is Queen Vashti from the Book of Esther in the Old Testament. Yes, oh. yes. So I was born. I had something extra, so she just took the H out, and that's oh, okay. That's why I'm named Vashti. Okay, that's it. I mean, she wanted a daughter. And said, "Well, okay, I already put, picked this name. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for another one. Uh, pull the H out. Okay, that's it. That's mm -hmm. cool, though. Yeah, hell yeah. So, that's your identity. Uh, yes, yeah. And the rest of you, inside of you, and how you handle an instrument is also your identity. Mm, yeah, it's that's an interesting thing. You know, um, it, it's interesting. I think for for me because I never made the choice to become a musician. So that's the I don't know what that means." I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
play guitar. I don't know what that means. Well, I mean, did you did you ever think in your mind about like what am I going to do with my life? Or no. So you Never. just so even though you didn't make a conscious choice to be a musician, you just always did it and kept doing it and. Right. Well, I think what happens if you're in a community like that, lots of old musicians, mm-hmm. and you and you have fun with it, and these people, their family members and people you know, so it really becomes like a family thing, like cooking, eating, music, sewing, work. You know what I mean? And then someone gives you a, a cookie or a hamburger or a soda pop, and then someone pays you a dollar or two or three dollars. So that's what was happening like when I was 12, 13 years old. So oh, you found you so can you make have, a little you, money from right, it. So you just, you're having fun. And now I'm giving, I got five, oh, I got seven dollars, you know, okay. or something. And so, you, you know, you keep doing it. And then, right. you know, I ran track and played football, but then I stopped growing. And so, you know, then. But you're in school on a percussion scholarship. You're studying music. Yeah, in college, Jackson. In college, yeah. and as you come out of college, was it was it was there not that whole you know as, as it happens to a lot of the college kids? It's like, oh God, I'm going to leave here soon. What am I going to do with myself? Well, no, but you didn't. I it sounds like you years. didn't have that. No, I, didn't, I left in two years because what happened was, <clears throat> since I was already playing, already working, yeah. working. When I got to 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 Jackson State, I, I graduated at 17, and in June I was in Jackson. You know, graduated, mm-hmm. maybe went to Jackson, had an aunt that was living on Robertson Road near Jackson State mm-hmm, where I was mm-hmm. going to be going to school and God just always carried me in these these things so it really didn't I didn't I didn't have to think much about it and one day at the park man I was probably there a week I heard like some loud music and it didn't quite seem like a record you know what I mean and so I meandered around the apartment complex until I got closer loud and there was like you know some somebody's playing piano and stuff in this apartment. So I walk up, walk to the door, and there are musicians and they're playing, and I'm just standing there looking. You know, I go, hey, I'm like, hey, hey, yeah, my name is Vast. I'm here going to Jackson State and blah 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 blah, and I play guitar and blah blah blah. Oh yeah, and in in you may not know some of these names, but I'm gonna tell you, Tommy Tate was incredible. I've heard that name. And yes. Like incredible yes. singer, brilliant. Natural musician, yes. you know, piano, trumpet, drums, vocalist, incredible singer. In later years, we worked together a lot at Malico. But Glenn Holmes, who played on the original Let's Straighten It Out and uh, Lattimore's, uh, <coughs> bless you, uh, Stormy Money, the up-tempo version, those guys were in there rehearsing. Wow. And so they said, well, oh, we'll go get your guitar. Oh, so, yeah, come sit in. Right. And so it was all of these old guys who I didn't know and there was like mm-hmm. Louis Lee, mm-hmm. you know, J.C. Stage, Cookie Palmer, these guys that played with, you know, Bobby Bland and all of these people. Dang. And the guys were like, wow, man, you you can play. And so I would hang out with them. This is like my first two weeks in Jackson. Wow. So then school started in late August. So I was, you know, in the marching band and the jazz band. And then... They got a, a gig. They started doing like Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Poets in the quarter on Lakeland Drive in Jackson. So I was like, just you're turned eighteen. Up. You are hooked up already, right? And so that led to you know Eddie Floyd and Percy Sledge oh and Jeter God. Davis and all those people. I was like eighteen, and then um, McKinley Mitchell. I became McKinley's band leader like at nineteen, and so then I would I would um, write the charts out. And so we would, McKinley and I would go out and we would be on shows with like O.V. Wright, 
Oh, you know, Bobby wow. Bland, you know, Johnny Taylor, Tyrone Davis. So, yeah, yeah. And so during that period of 19, I met, you know, two, you know, well, the great Mel Brown, if you, a great guitarist mm-hmm. who did lots of solo acoustic, I mean, and uh, more jazz, soul jazz, you know, like Grant Green in the 60s and stuff. And, right, right. And then Wayne Bennett, you know. So those guys were just so generous what a great to education a to have yeah you know what i mean yeah, and, yeah. but it's then, a classroom when you got that right so i would go out and i would use like tyrone davis's band yeah so and i have the heart horn charts and i get like i said oh yeah well you, you well man the trumpet is voice too high but no put the bone here you know what i mean so even though i was going to school there were other people just who were just kind to a kid yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. So, and Prof Davis at Jackson State, who played trumpet with Duke Ellington and all those people, he was like, "Yeah, man, you know, you really got some chops, but you need to. I want, I want you need to hook up with Jesse Robinson. I don't know if you know Jesse Robinson. He's a great guitarist in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And he went to Chicago early, but came back. So I was like 18, met Jesse, and uh, you know, he just a great man. You know, blues, but more. Uh, urban, more city-fied. Right, right. And then there was a great jazz guitarist in Jackson that a lot of people didn't know by the name of Skeets McWilliams who had played with Charlie Parker and all of these people. So, if, if you get, you know, what I'm trying to, you, you know, like a I little went bit from here, boom, a little bit there. Yes. yes. And then I met James Stroud who was the drummer at Malico. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I was, I, 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 I was a kid, you know what I mean? And it just didn't, you know, I didn't have any fear, so I would just ask people questions. Oh, you're bulletproof when you're a door. kid, man. You yeah. can just go out there with no right. fear and just get in there. So, you know, the first, I go to Malico, and they're cutting, uh, what's that song? You can ring my bell. Oh, yeah, oh, ring yeah, my bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. And, 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 and Stroud was doing, like, the syndrome part. And they just, I knocked on the door, man. They just let me in. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just talking. Yeah, you know, I'm a drummer at Jackson State, but I also play guitar and blah, blah, blah. That was my first time at Malico. And then, you know, maybe 10 months later, I was doing recording sessions there. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have a break coming up here in just a bit, uh, Vasta, but I'd like to hear you play one. Um, okay. If you don't mind. I don't mind at all. Um, Let's grab a get fiddle, as my grandma would say. Yeah, the old get fiddle here. You, you brought yeah. two resonators in here, and they're I, both gorgeous. Um, I did. I can tell you about them. I know. They, every one of them have a story. Every resonator in the world has a story. I don't know, but these don't have great stories. Other than, I mean, you know, I, I, I do have a 32 Duolingo, but this one is, uh, the story about this one is, is that there's a company out of Dallas, and they may, may move to Austin, but <clears throat> it's Republic is the name of the company, Guitars. Right? Yes, yeah. Republic Guitars, yes. And I got, you know, nationals and all that stuff. But anyway, I, 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 I've forgotten how we got hooked up, but um, anyway, I endorse these. So... As you see, this, this is a parlor size. Yes. You said like a three-quarter. Yes. A little smaller, yes. Right. and uh, Gorgeous. So, and uh, this model is, is a Highway 61. Uh-huh. With a cutaway. So, I have several of, of these things. And I, I and that, like that is Repu- That's Republic, the it's Highway 61 model. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Camo plays one of these as well. Yes. You know, even though he has a bunch He's of guitars. Thousands of them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway. So, let's play something. Yeah, let's get into uh, it. Here we are, www.radio-memphis.com. Thank you. Nice plug, sir. Booze and blues. Yes, sir. Vasti Jackson, the teetotaler.
Just clap your hands. <laughs> All right, that's pretty oh, good. There you go, there you go. We got a wild party bunch. Gonna let the juke join jumper. Yeah. We got catfish cooking in the skillet. Chitlins, they balling in the pot. Poker game over in the corner. Vestai Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, here in the studio, Radio Memphis.
Blues Boutte at Radio Memphis there with Mr. Vasty Jackson. Who's singing on that track there, Vasty? That's me. Is that was that you singing? Mm-hmm. Well, that is uh that's a thing right there, man. Little high me on, on on the vocal and the guitar and wrote that and oh yeah, the previous song we did um The one that you played here, yeah. yeah. Juke Joint Jump, let the Juke Joint Jump. Mm-hmm. We were blessed to have the Queen of the Blues, the late great Queen of the Blues, Coco Taylor. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. And, um, That's twice in two weeks now we've heard that name invoked in here. Actually, uh, Friday, it was uh, Chick Rogers was in here, and uh, she was talking Chick about was her great. time with her and how Coco just took her under her arm. And Chick is fantastic. Oh, she is. Yeah. And that tiny little woman can bring the house. She literally brought the house yeah. down in Chicago. And I, I asked her, I said, do you miss Maxwell Street? And she goes, oh, nope. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, abs- absolutely. Yeah, it's been a lot of, lot of time in Chicago, man. Yeah. Jewtown, I guess, is where, where a lot of the, the older blues stuff was happening. Old, old stuff, yeah. Yeah, it, it was still there when I was going, but it wasn't, of course, like it's, what it was. It's all moved around now. Yeah. Um, I think the the last real proper capture of it was that one small scene in the Blues Brothers where John Lee Hooker is on the street and all the guys are all sitting mm-hmm. up on there selling stuff on the sidewalk and it's right before they go into Aretha's restaurant mm-hmm. and so you get kind of a taste of what that was yeah. you know yeah a little taste a, a little bit of, a little bit of all of that hey bro how are you hello Mr he, Jackson how are you I'm you, well. you know this guy I think Jeff well, Janovitz he knows I, you I met yeah, you I, maybe who win? We yeah, we're on yes. air. Yeah, it's, it's okay yes. to be on air. Yeah. yeah, this mic is hot right over here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah come man. over, this Jeff. Is, yeah. This is just as I took. I took actually took Jeff Janovitz's place. I snuck right in as he snuck out of the. He used to be the co-host of this show. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to say 2015. You were here for the BMAs. Mm-hmm. I think you played at Lou Big Lou's Bill Street Mess Around uh, yeah, Hard Rock yeah, Cafe. Absolutely. The Mess wow. Around. Yes. Yes. We had a great time there. Yes. yes. And then, I, yeah, I think I did something with Cedric Burnside at, I don't know, the Orpheum. Or yeah, like right after that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What a great time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually, uh, I, I was working at the, at, I was working at the Mess Around. And that's, yeah. So you probably don't remember me because yeah. you were yeah. performing the night. Yeah. 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 So. Absolutely. Good to see you again, sir. Likewise. Likewise. So you uh, you went to Chicago for a while. How long? How long did you stay there? Uh, in and out of Chicago. I mean, from a kid. Oh, uh, so you it's, from a teenager. It's, it's like a second home almost in a way. Yeah, my father um, lived in Gary, Indiana, and worked yeah. for Bethlehem Steel. So, but on the music end, um, you know, so many, you know, the Great Migration from Mississippi up, right? Yes. Those guys. So, and there were people, of course, going and moving back and coming all the time. So uh, I met McKinley Mitchell. Mm-hmm. The town I live in is lonely, so lonely, I could cry. I told my mother and father too, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I don't have the big voice that he had. But Wait, check this stuff out. Smooth, the end, sweet voice, though. Yeah, the end of the <laughs> rainbow and all that stuff. So McKinley Mitchell had like trouble blues. Dream lover, where are you? Oh, I remember that. That was like yeah. Bobby Darren or somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... He came from Chicago back to Jackson and signed with Malico. And he did like the end of the rainbow and all of that stuff. And so I was like, you know, 19 years old working with McKinley then when he signed with Malico. And so, you know, that was really... 
Because Malico is where you kind of got your first, I guess, industry start. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was like... And I know it's still a thing um, in, in a different animal. It's a different animal, but yeah, at that time... Like, it went away after a minute and they brought it back. Yeah, it was yeah. brought back and now it's more of a distribution house. It's I more think. of a distribution yeah. house, but, you know, at that time, <laughs> I just happened to, you know, you know, just a kid, man, in the right place, you know, mm-hmm. as far as music in Jackson or Mississippi... I, I, well, let's say out of Jackson, because at that time, I was doing um, McKinley Mitchell. I did like maybe two sides with McKinley. I was like maybe 19. And then I did like um, two sides with Tommy Tate. Mm-hmm. There was a studio in Pearl, Mississippi called um, International Recording. Right. And so I did uh, string arrangements and, and rhythm arrangements for a song called... You talk about love and standing at the end of the world, and that's where I met um, uh, Mickey Davis, who was the great violinist. I mean, just a virtuoso in classical music and bluegrass and everything. And he was like the contractor of where for strings for Malico and stuff like that. So that was my first opportunity to actually write a string arrangement. And so that was like maybe I was like maybe nineteen. So I, I was meeting because I met. Um, James Stroud and then Wolf Stevenson and Tommy Tate and all those people were kind of in and out. But by God, what an impressionable age you were when all of this just descended onto you. Yeah, and so then, you know, with, after the McKinley Mitchell thing, I, you know, went to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Because Atlanta was popular, you know what I mean? And so, hopefully some stuff would jump off in Atlanta. Then I came back to Mississippi. Then went to Los Angeles. You know what I mean? I knew Los Angeles was going to figure it out. It always has a has touch a in it. Yeah, and so then came back. And when I came back, um, I was a Mr. Mom, oddly enough. So, I, uh, my girlfriend in college was pregnant. She had one more year. I said, well, no, you go down to finish, finish school, and I, I'll, take, I'll take care of the baby for this year. You know what I mean? So, I came back, you know from a single guy to being in my mom's house with my son, with my six-month-old son. Yeah. And he's 41 now. Oh, oh my he's God. A he's a drummer, too. He, does, he, has a, he, really? he runs in the family now. Yeah, yeah, he? yeah. And he, he has an auto detailing business, all that kind of stuff. He's doing great. Um, so while babe changing diapers and having anxiety attacks because it's a complete change of life and everything. (laughs) uh, Oh my God, I'm not playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It goes, you know, from changing guitar strings to changing pampers. That's a hell of a switch, you know what I mean? (laughs) So... Yeah, one of which you don't have to wash your hands. Right, right. (laughs) But, but Glenn Holmes, that drummer that I met when I was 17 who had done all this stuff with Lattimore and Henry Stone, if you guys know about this old stuff, Glades Records and stuff in Mm -hmm. the old Miami scene with Betty Wright, and let's, the great guitar player wow. down there, Little Beaver, you know what I mean, with Party Down, who played on uh, uh, Clean Up Woman and all that stuff. Right, right, right. So, right. But nevertheless, to get to this part, they were in Macomb. I was in Macomb. Glenn was playing with Bobby Rush, and they, he knew I was back in Mississippi. Oh, we're playing with Bobby. Come out to the show. So I'm, this is like 1980. And uh, so, so I'm sorry. There was a 
big blues scene in Miami in the 80s and the 1980s. Oh, man. Glaze, blues, soul. Lattimore. I think Little Milton recorded Yeah, Little stuff. Milton did. Yeah. So I, I didn't really. I mean, look. Yeah, and it's, it's still 70s, sort of a thing. 70s, yeah. 70s, okay. 70s, okay. Yeah. 70s moving up into the 80s. Because, I, well, I know like the Tampa Bay area has got a huge. No, 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 man. Miami, baby. Miami. I just never think of Florida when I think of blues, but I'm born and raised here and I've never been outside soul. of this. Yeah. Okay, blues okay, soul. okay. So we, Betty Wright. Gotcha. Little Beaver, Lattimore. There were all kinds of things going on and then you had that you know the Jamaican influence yeah. the Haitian influence mm -hmm. the Cuban influence you know what I mean and you had a hotspot of this stuff man that was mixing up and Criteria was there you know the great studio right, so right. the Bee Gees recorded there all kinds so that was a man Miami it was all kinds of stuff going on in Miami just a melting pot oh, of music yeah, yeah, yeah just that Afro-Caribbean beat coming off yeah, and so Glenn had came back to Mississippi and you know he was playing with Bobby Rush and he says you know, come play at the Lions Club. This used to be an Elks Club. This is in the, in the hood. You know what I mean? And so I go, and, and I'm like 20, you know, and now in, uh, in, uh, on the break, he introduced me to Bobby and everything. Yeah. So Bobby asked me to sit in, and Jesse Robinson playing guitar. And I said, he said, man, you sound great. You sound good. I'm, we're going to be going to the studio in about a week or two, and I want you, want you, to, want you to play on, play on some of my stuff. I'm like, okay. Of course, a week or two passed, nothing happened. Right, you know what I mean? right. But about six weeks passed, and Bobby called. And uh, so, recording at Malico. I don't know Bobby Rush. I just met Bobby Rush. I don't know Bobby Rush. So, we're in Studio B at Malico, and uh, the bass player's late. So, oh, I'll play bass. So, we start the session, and we're just recording stuff, and then the bass player finally shows up, and blah, 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 and we're recording. That was the Sue record. The first time I played with Bobby Rush was with Egypt, Sue. With Sue, the first recording oh, with Bobby. Yeah, Rush. I have that here. It's like fourteen minutes long. It's incredible. Yeah, dang, dang, oh, and that's you. Dang, dang. You're on that record. Look, I'm on that album. Oh, not, on that album. Not on uh, Sue, the actual Sue. I was Jesse Robbins and somebody because we cut. We did. I did two days <clears> of <throat> sessions. Right. So I played bass and, and that other interesting thing about some of those projects, you know, all the musicians stuff, sometimes you got credit, sometimes you didn't. Right. You know what I mean? So, but that was my first recording with Bobby was the Sue album. And we cut, recorded that in Studio B in Malico, which doesn't exist anymore, the Studio B. Right, you know? yeah. I mean, not just because of the, the tornado, but... It's just gone, yeah. They, they stopped using B and whatever, turned into office space. But, uh, so that was the meeting. I mean, that's how I met Bobby Russ, through Glenn Holmes. And then at that time, now I'm, you know, I'm not gigging, man. I'm, I'm, changing diapers and then a trumpet player friend of mine is working at Wendy's so he's like oh man well you know you know I get you some hours at Wendy's so my mom would go to work in the daytime and I would take care of my son she'd get home about five and then three days a week I would go you know to uh, to Wendy's and work you know five or six hours mm -hmm. and the trumpet player he hired me because he had a band of course and then I was playing guitar you know on the weekends so Phone rang some Glenn Holmes again, great drummer, Pearl, Mississippi. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, look, can you can you go out a couple of weeks? Jesse can't make these gigs. Uh, it's with this guy named ZZ Hill. I don't know ZZ Hill. I don't know ZZ. I don't know this guy. Yeah. You know, and just two weeks. It's Birmingham and so and so so and so. I'm like, okay, let's be a fan. So I go out. It's ZZ Hill and it's Albert King at a place called the Executive Suite. So mm -hmm. we get to Birmingham, everything is cool. 
the first show was like maybe like at nine and it sold out and they clear the house it's like from 9 to 11 they clear the house at 11 then the next show shows at 12 it's sold out there are people outside the Saturday is the same thing <clears throat> you know but I don't know these people you know I'm not following this you know because you know what how are you selling out, you know, four shows in two nights like that and you're right. just kind of along for the ride? I'm just I'm just there for two weekends. Yeah. So because at this time, you know, I'm you know, man, I'm I'm Chick Corea, Gino Benelli, you see what I mean, <laughs> West Montgomery, Billy Cobham, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. That, you know what I mean? Da, 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 from one mile Vishnu, you know what I mean? Along with the root, because you know, the the blues Gospel, country music—that's my foundation. You, right, never, you know, right. you, you know, everything is built on top of that. We stand on the shoulders of those that come before us. Mm-hmm. So, and ZZ goes like, "Man, you sound good. If you if you want the gig, it's yours." So, I'm seeing how these people are re- responding to this song, "Down Home Blues," and I think maybe cheating in the next room or something like this. Like, like I'm like, what is going on here? And so. I played with ZZ until he died. So I was like 20. And there's video on this stuff on YouTube with the big, long, trippy Jericho oh, yeah. and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that was, you know, you know, the Malico stuff really began with, like, uh, McKinley Mitchell. And then I started doing, you know, just sessions there for the Williams Brothers, the gospel stuff, the Jackson Southerners. And then you know Lattimore and Denise LaSalle, Johnny Taylor. So Malico, was wow. it like a was it like a just a punch clock type of environment for you, like an eight to five type of thing? No, 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 no. Like no. that's what it was here at Stax, of course. You no, know. Stax was different. Malico was different. Mal- Malico didn't have the volume of artists. You know what I mean? So it I wasn't gotcha. Really, so we get called in for writers and like demos. So I was doing, I would do demos, and then a certain stuff I would do master recordings mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the guitar end. Uh, it was so great for me because what happened was the great Dino Zimmerman, who was originally from Shreveport, he went on, when he left Jackson, he went on to play with KT Oslin, I think, in Nashville. But Dino was a great guitarist, man. So, and Jimmy Johnson from Muscle Shows, mm-hmm. right? So the great Jimmy Johnson, Muscle mm-hmm. Shows rhythm section. So I would be playing rhythm with Dino okay okay if Jimmy was in Jimmy Johnson I would be playing lead more of the single line stuff right but at the time I don't know Jimmy Johnson I don't know who Jimmy Johnson is I don't know that he did Rolling Stones Rita Franklin it's so funny that I think because there's probably there may be a photo or something because we didn't have phones and stuff then. Right. So, I don't know. Jimmy's just this fat white guy that plays the Telecaster through a deluxe. And, he, you know, he's really he's like the clock. You know what I right. mean? He's playing chinks and chunks and scrapes and, you know, little, uh, what do you call it, tremolo and blah, blah, blah. And Dino is is like 6'4", but he's playing guitar player. He's playing like eights on a strat, but he still had a great tone. You know what I mean? Right. And so, and Wolf Stevenson is engineering. And, and so... I'm just taking stuff in, but I don't know. This is Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> I don't know who Jimmy Johnson is. You but, know, I don't know who Roger Hawk is. So that had to have been like this weird little light bulb in your head that after the fact, after you've done all this. After the fact. And then you you actually put two and two together and go, oh, shit. That right. was, that's where I was. Right, because at the time, 
I was into West Montgomery, you know what I'm saying, in right. Joe Pass, so yeah. I had an ES-175. Uh-huh. And a little guy with a big yeah. ES-175 yeah. with 13s. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's Telephone big balls. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, Telephone cable, for right. Christ's sake. So, <laughs> Dino was playing a Strat, and Jimmy was playing a Telly. And all of that ZZ Hill stuff was like, which I hated that tone. I mean, it's just the truth. I didn't like the tone because it was all really heavily compressed. Right. It had that weird little chorus and down, down, down. Yeah, it was yeah. Headed, you know, but it worked, man. You know, that rhythm sound and the solo thing on Down Home Blues was iconic in the Chiller circuit. This is before we called it Southern Soul. Right. So that became a sound, right? And so, and I'm with ZZ playing the ES-175, so I got I to gotta, I gotta get a strap. I mean, this... No way. I mean, you know, the ES-175 is not going to sound like that. No, no. So, and luckily, Melvin Williams of the Williams Brothers, gospel, he was getting rid of one of his strats, and it was it was a strat, but he had a humbucker in the rhythm position. You know what I mean? Which worked. Oh, that, so, oh that's interesting. Yeah, so it was like middle, single core, bridge, single core. See, this is way back. So now it's generally single core rhythm. Single coil, yeah. middle, and the humbucker in the back. That'll, you that can switch. HSS, right. yeah, that's yeah. So real popular. That worked, and and that stuff. You know, like I said, there's YouTube stuff with me playing with ZZ Twenty. You know, with with that guitar. Oh yeah. And then I found a telly in a pawn shop. You know what I mean? Because I, you know, I hated single coil sounds. So I found a telly that had a humbucker. You know what? I always like the telly sound over the strat sound. Though. Right. If you're gonna, if you got to go single coil. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. So it had a humbucker in the neck position. Yeah. As well. And so that was my, for the Malico sound thing, yeah. the Strat was Dino, the Telly was Jimmy. I mean, that's the only reason I went that way, because I didn't like I didn't like funny guitars. Right. You know what no, I mean? No, it's more of an arch type. Right, but, yeah, but yeah. that was the sound. Right, right. You know? So, and, and then, you know, so, you know, for the, for the guitar guys, I mean, that's kind of what that was like. And that <clears throat> heavy chorus sound from Malico, that wasn't Dino, that was Wolf Stevenson. Wolf added that chorus. You know what I mean, and uh, and that overly compressed thing—that yeah. was a mixing thing. Because all that stuff was all post post production, wasn't it? Well, say that was all. Yeah, because well, you guys well, were the chorus, the chorus, and and the heavy compression was. But most of the time, so you guys were just. Playing, that's not what you're hearing through the because he. No, had I mean you, he could pipe it into the monitors. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying, not. but but that. But you were just plugged in barefoot for the most part, right? You know, you weren't running well, too many effects, right? No, 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 no. But I mean. Generally, you're just plugged into a, a Fender or a Deluxe or a Twin or something. And you know, occasionally, there was some wah-wah, and then there was some phaser. You know what I mean? Right. And, and then, you know, when we really look at it, maybe it's that little Dynacomp, which is a little red MXR compressor. Yeah, yeah. But that heavily thing, that sound that became that ZZ guitar thing, the compression and the chorus was woof. Huh. It was. Which, you know, which I was like, eh. <laughs> but it was a sound. It worked, man. And plus, it was bright enough, and it cut through between the piano and the organ, which was Carson Whitsett, mm-hmm. great pianist. And I got it since we since I'm in Memphis, you know. This is you know we have to talk about the people that you know that were just the brilliant musicians because part of that great mix when I say about the Trinity of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Tennessee is because the great drummer here. James Robinson. Yes. Okay, James was coming down doing those sessions. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ray Griffin, uh, bass player. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Ray. Okay? Now, it was generally Ray at that point, Ray and James Robinson, and then Carson Wissett was on piano. And then my other great associate from Macomb, Mississippi, Larry Addison, 
you know, later when Bobby Bland, he was playing piano and Rhodes too. So you still had that thing because like Mr. Mr. Big Stuff and Groove Me, that was that was a mixture of Mississippi and New Orleans. Wardell Cruzier came up. That, that, those songs were cut at Malico. But the rhythm section was New Orleans and the horn players were a mix of people from Mississippi. Wardell wrote, wrote the arrangement because Cosimo Matassa, mm-hmm. you know, he owed Cosimo some money. He couldn't get any studio time because he hadn't paid his bills. So he put everybody like on a bus <laughs> and he came to Jackson and, and, and Mr. Big Stuff and, and Groove Me were cut on the same session. Oh, wow. Yeah, at Malico. And a lot of people don't know that. Oh, wow. So you had that exchange of Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, or Memphis. You see what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, sure. And then Reggie Young. Yeah, we, we prefer you say Memphis and not Tennessee. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, yeah, we talked about that earlier. Okay. About, you know, yeah. that Memphis is really North Mississippi. You know, people, you know. people from Memphis never say we're from Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. They just say we're from Memphis. Mississippi. Memphis, Mississippi. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're from Memphis, man. Yeah. Guys. yeah. But Re- you're right, that whole, just like that, like, I was it's like the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Good stuff comes out of it instead right. of Right. And yeah. Reggie Young would come down. Yeah. Some, sometimes, too. Guitar. So I'm like, 19, 20, 21 years old, huh. you know, 22, because ZZ died. I just turned 24 in 84 when ZZ died. But so I was absorbing, you know, this stuff. I mean, stuff that you don't really talk about so much now because mm-hmm. they're rose. You know, like before, I remember when the first Lindrum came out. You know what I mean? When I got the first Lindrum. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was more like the metronome, you know, his rhythm. Right. You see right. what I mean? So you, there are different. You learn different things that you're not gonna really see in the book. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying from from cats, right? And then uh, and then you know the synclavier if you get into the synths things. Yeah. And then the Fairlight, you know, there's things like 150 grand and stuff. And there was this guy Carl Marsh, who's a great programmer. And here's another little tidbit story. Gene Knight had this song called. Don't mess with my tutu. Anybody remember this? I remember oh, that. Sure. Yes. Okay. And so the song was written by Rock and uh, Sydney. Mm-hmm. Okay. Zydeco. Gene Knight cut it. Malico was wanted to get the song because it was it was blowing up, but Gene they had cut a deal with someone else. So Malico, this is very true. When we talk about the business aspect of yeah, it. we were talking about this off the air. So, yeah. So <clears throat> Malico says. We got to record that, so we can't. They couldn't get the master, you know. They couldn't get get the rights to the song, so they called me, Carl Marsh, and Denise LaSalle, rushed into the studio, and we cut Denise LaSalle. Don't mess with my tutu, don't mess with my tutu. I know you got another one, right? Now, so tons of it had to release it as a single on Denise, but when you hear that, that's just my guitar and Carl Marsh. Every all of the other sounds are Fairlight. Oh wow. Now, this is before uh, the soft scents and all of that stuff. It was like the Sinclair that Stevie had, and there were only a few people mm-hmm. in big studios that had those things because right. it was so freaking expensive. And that was the first time that I was actually on a session where we're going to just call it, it was where everything was sampled except my guitar and her vocals. Wow. All the accordions, all the drums, everything. On Delisa Sales, my tutu is Fairlight. That was a much heavier lift than it sounds to like these modern cats. So for everything to be sampled, 
It wasn't as easy to sample. No, no, no. Things, it was crazy. It was yeah, crazy. That's, it, that's, it was crazy. That's a lot of. It was crazy. So, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so that's like pre digital crazy. Yeah, you that's know, like, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of tape. Is what yeah, that's that is. A, a miles and miles yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we, yeah, and we were still, of course, doing two inch. You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah. At 30 IPS and 15 uh-huh, IPS. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So. That was uh, that was my sort of introduction to the scent that you know there were scents happening you know sure in the late sure 70s, but I mean right there in the room with the machine with the programmer and seeing that stuff happen you know what I mean so you know you learn and you just you keep pushing yeah I cannot imagine doing phones. that now uh, there's just no way <laughs> I could I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it as an engineer how it's that's that's monumental in what what do you, what do you mean I mean working the Fairlight system in general. You know. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the ARPs were crazy, you know, and and the Fairlights and the Sinclair, and then they came with the, you know, you know, I'm 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 the guitar player, but let me tell you, it's like, man, if you don't, uh, what if you don't grow, you become obsolete. Mm-hmm. So, and I could tell you a bunch of stories, you know, about that, you know, what I mean, because I was the guitar player, <clears throat> right? You know, what I mean, then I see this Fairlight, and I'm like, and then they got the Lindrum, and I don't have, you know, and then so I'm like. And then there's rap coming and all of this stuff. And I'm like, hmm. So I went out and brought like a Roland TR-707 drum machine. And then like a, an Elise's something sequencer. And I started messing with that stuff. Because it was like, it's not it's not going back. No, the, no, the genie was out of the bottle yeah, at this point. it's not going back. No. So then I got an Emu, an Emacs Emu. You know what I mean? It was Emu Emacs, actually. And so then, like the whole Sue record was, you know, live musicians. Sure. And so then later with Bobby, I started combining programming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sequencing with live guitars, live background. You know what I mean? Right. Combining that stuff. You know, what I ain't stutting you. One monkey don't stop no show. You know what I mean? Um, what's good for the goose is good for the gander too. I mean, I've been recording with Bobby for 42 years. So, I mean, it's we can go from here all the way to boom. You know, Porcupine Meat that won the Grammy and then uh, Sitting on Top of the Loose which was nominated for a Grammy. And then I did the single for, was it Dolomite is Dolomite is my name, I think. Yeah, the film. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah the one, we, the single that was released after Bobby got the uh, the role. You know, he got the cameo. Yeah, he, the he gets a cameo, and then you right. guys are playing in that. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're playing in that, but when that happened, Bobby called me, because <laughs> Bobby's smart. He was like, yo, man, I'm in L.A., but I got you know, I got this cameo in this movie, so I need to do this song, man. I, uh, uh, I want to do a song about Dolomite. I'm like, okay, so he's on the phone. I'm like, okay, because Bobby and I work so much, he can just kind of call me and hum something on the phone, and then I can pretty much... You can wing it from there, yeah. 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 And so he's like, yeah, you know, you're my son, Buttermilk Kid. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I go I go and dig it out. Yeah, just do it like a modern Buttermilk Kid. So, so, And that's what's, that's what's in the film. No, that's not in the film. Oh, that's... I think he did like Sue or something, a little bit of Sue. Yeah. But I'm saying, when the film came out, you know, it was getting great reviews... Then maybe two months later, Bobby released the single, yeah. I Am the Dolomite Kid. Makes sense. Okay. You like you mean? said, he's smart. Right. So I was at Catch home. Catch that wave while it's hot. Yeah. Yeah, I was at home doing doing the track, and then he met me in New Orleans. He'd never heard the track, and then put his vocal on it. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, well, I, now I can, you know, shape the horns and the guitars, and, you know, now that I actually hear what you're going to sing on so it. So you do that all digitally, like, 
at first for that one. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that you didn't bring anybody. This, it's all. It's no, all, that's all me. Everything. All you, only only awesome. thing on it is Bobby's his voice and his harp. Huh? If, if there's harp. For all the background vocals, yeah, everything yeah. is me. Scott yeah. Bomar did a did the soundtrack, I think. I think he yeah, did for that film. Did. Yeah. So, did you have to work? Did you get a chance to work with him through no, that, no, or no, that no, was no, just no. something that was just here? No, that, that that's a all, completely separate animal. That was a whole separate animal. That yeah. the soundtrack and Bobby yeah. was in L.A. and Bobby go like, ah. So I, you know, I, I want to do. I need to get a little more juice from. It's going to ride the wave off that film, right? Yeah. That so makes sense. Pull, Marketing. You, yeah, you that's, put it up on YouTube, you know. But but that's how that's how that that's how that happened. You know what I mean? So because I, like, I we do a bunch some some things I do with Bobby. He he doesn't even he won't even hear it until we get to the studio. Right. And then some things, you know, it's like we have that that thing back and forth because I've done it and I'm thinking it's a demo, and then he hears it and says, "You're not touching that." <laughs> that's the track. <laughs> that's the track you don't touch this. I'm yeah. Like, Bobby, but yeah, but, you're, but I wouldn't if you were singing. But no, 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 <laughs> no. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, you know, but you know, I just I have a sensibility. You know, what I mean, just it's sure, a vibe thing. Sure. I, I know basically how he phrases something. So I, you right. know, oh, I don't. He's not in the room, but oh, this will step on the vocal if I do that with the horns, or if I do that with this. You know what I mean? Because he's already got it mapped out. He knows. Well, you yeah, worked but I don't know. Oh, you don't. Well, yeah. Right. I don't know. It's just my. It's like I'm a man. Yeah. Well, he would do it kind of like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. 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 Because yeah. y'all worked together for so many yeah. years. Yeah. That's that shorthand. That's, yeah. So yeah. in that, that telepathic connection. That's. But, yeah. It's not. It's nothing ever written down or spoken. It just happens. Yeah, yeah. Praise God because that's you know I've always been you know just kind of a a sponge. You know what I mean? Like I work with the with Robert Mooney, who's the concert master for the Memphis Symphony Orchestra. Yes, yeah, Bob Moody, yes. Yeah, so he called me uh, to do, um, matter of fact, uh, oh man, why am I, I, I'm drawing a blank here. Who's the president of, of uh, the Memphis Blue Society? Blues Foundation, you mean? Barbara, Barbara. She used to be. Yeah, Barbara. Yeah. M- m- last name. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, some spot, yeah. Yeah, yeah Is she I know. not the president anymore? Not no, anymore. No, no, no. Already she's out Hey, no, they're already no, gone no, through no, another one by now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Marlon, I just can't remember her last name, but she's so sweet and so nice. Yeah. So, um, so some people know that besides guitar, you know, I, I write horns and strings and do choir vocal arrangements and stuff like this. Like so Jeff's gonna Google it. You can't. You know, yeah. this day and age, you can't be on air and <laughs> right. like I can't remember the right. first name with this right. name. Right, Barbara Newman. Everybody has Newman. Newman. Sorry, Barbara. We love you. Yes, Come on, thank yes. you. And so I'm thinking of on air for this because the thing is, so I work with the Mississippi Symphony Orchestra and different people. So sometimes people, I don't know, it, it, I'm not going to use the term stigma, but sometimes people have this weird concept that if you can analyze music or write music or read music, then you lose some of the the rawness or the something about blues and country music and stuff like this, which is completely a lie. Of you course know? it is, yes. So, so I'm not talking about me personally, I'm just saying that whole concept is just not true. So uh, so, so a barber recommended me to Bob Mooney mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you know, some people, oh, well, I did this session, I did the horn arrangements of this, I did vocals yeah, for yeah. that, you know. So, um, and so... 
the only reason I can work in those situations is, is is because I can read music and I can write music. So I can look at a score, and I'm not a great sight reader because that's weightlifting. And you just if you don't you use yeah. it a lot, you you begin to lose it. That's you know the I mean? speaking of foreign language part. Yeah, yeah. You're not totally so it's like okay, oh well, yeah, this is in seven four. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. These are triplets, blocks, whatever. So we were doing this thing called Devil at the Crossroads, which is based on a soldier's tale. Igor Stravinsky. Mm-hmm. So, so she recommended me to Bob. And so Bob called me. I had the conversation on the phone. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll pull it up. Send me the script. Send me, you know, the score. And so I'm like, oh yeah, no, we, we can we can do that. So I'm, it was like, okay, compose some incidental music and so forth and so on. And man, this score for a soldier's tale. I mean, because it's like meter changes, you know, 5, 8, 13, 8, you know what I mean, 3, 4, 5, 4, 7, 4, 4. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just... It's just all over the board. It's all yeah. over the place, bro. It's all over the place. And so, um, thank God, Barbara, thank you again, because it was a wonderful experience to do it. And we did it, we got great reviews, and then we did it twice. And then we were, you know, going to take it some other places, and uh, here comes COVID. Uh, but uh, but you could bring it back, yeah. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. But I'm just saying. But I'm just saying that's what happened. You know yeah. Yeah, so we were already yeah. doing, yeah. It, doing it in other cities because we yeah. got it, it was just such a you know great response. Mm. From sure. it. So it was like the okay. Here's the relativity between the Robert Johnson thing of uh, being at the crossroads and selling the soul to the devil to become this great mm-hmm. guitarist, mm-hmm. and then a soldier's tale with the fiddle. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And then having, just like with the, you know, with the Jimmy Rogers thing, having to go and do a little more research about Igor Stravinsky. And actually, because that part of that original recording sessions, they actually filmed some of that from like 19 really? whatever. So you can actually go to YouTube and Igor Stravinsky, a soldier's tale, huh. and there's actual footage of him in the studio. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, I know I, I know I'm supposed to be talking about Blind Lemon Jefferson and Big Boy Crudup and no, all no, these things. No, it's your show. It's your show. You talk about whatever you want to talk about. When I used to be in Natalie's chair all the time, we used to say, I mean, like, this show would sometimes go off the rails as far as, like, it's booze and blues, but yeah. we're in Memphis, first of all. You know, we can't not right. talk about soul. You can't not right. talk about... You know, gospel, no, any of the roots, gospel, you know, yeah, rock I mean, and roll, the heritage and all stuff. Of that yeah. is blues. I mean, all, it all, all blues, blues, all blues, all blues. Yeah. 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 So you know, all the roads lead through blues right into every other right. genre out there. So, thank God, you know, that there are people who are open-minded, and we don't. Everybody don't get put in this box. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about this stuff, like yo, all the blues is dying. The blues, the blues ain't dying. Blues don't need nobody to keep it alive. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, give, people, give people the award. Listen, come on. Yeah, no, I get I'm no, true, I get, man. Listen. I get it. I love people. You know, I love people, so I don't want to lie to people. And I don't and I don't I don't do a thing to fit in. I don't do that. This is not a criticism. Right. I'm just saying that the experiences of life and culture create the sound. So if people are still these people are still living these experiences, why do someone thinks that simply because it ain't muddy, it ain't Johnny Hooker, that it ain't blues? But I succeed to that point. I think when you hear somebody say that the blues is dying, we got to keep it alive. It's usually coming from the purists, those people that just want to 
Oh, there he goes. Yeah, because we've seen that same reaction is so true from a lot of cats, and they go, they want to preserve it. And how about screw the purists? No, no, and I agree. We, I think we on this show have always agreed. Remember, was it Sturgis that always said we're not archaeologists? We're not archaeologists, and music is music is like language, and it evolves. Well, listen, man, you know. We're on your side. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not even a side. I mean, I mean, who the hell is a purist? You're not a purist. Well, I think you, you, you're saying you're a purist, but you're not a purist. It's not a. It's not a great term. I think. It's yeah, a, right. I mean, what are you talking about? You're a purist. Purist means I want it to be the way it was in the 20s or the 30s. And look, it I, was Robert Johnson, or it was nothing. No, no. I well, mean, I mean, and not only that, and not only well, that, if you go down to Bill Street, how many actual blues are you going to hear on Bill Street? Well, you're going to hear a lot of blues on Bill blues. Street. Yeah, you do. But you see, it's all going to be. But, but the a thing, certain select. What, this is what happens. What happens is people. <laughs> act like blues didn't occur until someone labeled it blues, which is insane. Yeah. Don't you understand that this is the sound of a culture? The culture don't need your label. That's correct. You know, the label, the label's what they came up with so they can figure out right. where to put it in the music store when you came to buy the record. Thank that's, you. That's, that's what all. the categories are, yeah. It's like someone saying that, you know, like uh, 12 Bar Blues. 12 Bar Blues is a modern invention. Mm-hmm. 12 Bar Blues, is, there's nothing traditional about 12 Bar Blues. It's a modern invention. And most people don't get it because that's right. Because the aspect of that, the aspect of the blues, is about the story. In in the jungle, in the villages, if someone says, "Oh, look at that line. He ran. He bit the antelope, and so and so so and so so and so, and then blah 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 blah," then that was the verse. And if it was thirteen, if that's all they wanted to say, and then something else happened, and then the next part they wanted to say was only. If you count the measures, it was three bars and blah, blah, blah. And there was, there was no form. Or if it was one chord. One chord. I defy any musician to tell me what bars, what number of bars John Lee Hooker's playing in his songs because you can't count those. (laughs) Well, Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The thing is, the, in, in this tradition of griots and African storytellers Mm -hmm. as in the, what we call blues men were newsmen. They reported the going ons of the village, yes. the drums and chants and all of this stuff. So whatever the story was, the sound followed the story. So now when you say 12 bar blues, people are writing the story to the form, which is actually unnatural. It's like haiku. Right. So so you understand? Now, I, I play a 12 bar blues, but I don't always, even when I was playing another song, I changed the chord, I went to the two as opposed to the five. Two, right, blah, right. Blah, 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 just variations. So, because that's more of there's no rule the truth is the rule yes whatever your truth is yes now that that would be the rule now the most traditional aspect of the blues is your truth yes not John Lee Hooker not B.B. King not Robert Johnson well it's more than the feel but it's the story and and the feel is part of the story so if you want to tell your story tell your story now who's to tell you that your story and now, I understand about culture, you know what I mean? Because I understand whether we're talking Japanese koto music, whether we're talking about European classical music, whether we're talking about the diatonic system that we say music theory, which is very racist and white supremacist, because when people say, Europe, say music theory, they're talking about 
Western music theory, as if there's no African music theory or no Japanese music right, theory, as right. no Indian music theory, and all of these. No man, it all goes people, back to the Gregorians. If it doesn't flow through have, that, then it's right, not right. They music. have yeah. their music theory. Yes. But when we right. but when we teach it here, we say music theory. We're talking about a twelve tone diatonic system, which is from Europe. Yep. Yep. So that's European music. Theory, but no yeah. one says that. They sat right back to the Catholic Church. That's what right. No one says that. Yeah. yeah, you see what I mean? Ah, absolutely. So, so, so what about what about Japanese music theory? But when you say music theory, mm-hmm. automatically right, it's, right. it's European. When and I've say, listened to a bit of Japanese music, and it doesn't fit those rules. No, no. <laughs> so, so the thing is, is that when we look at this, I guess what I'm saying earlier is that don't get into this purest thing because this is about the journey and you have not reached the destination and the greatest tradition of this ish is change. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very well put. Oh, no. Here, here. How about a song before we take a right. break yeah, there, yeah. Basti? Let's do a song. Because I think that... that yeah, let's I, stop I, talking about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's giving me the blues. Well, you are preaching the choir. It's giving me the blues. Skin too deep. But well, that's the thing, you know... Fastai comes in here and he's laying down an education for people that are that are interested in this, and that's that's the fascinating thing. Oh yeah, great! I'm glad you said that. So now I'm going to make a left turn, then I'm going to play guitar. Please buy my music. I forget sometimes that I really do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh we're going to be selling it all night. <laughs> yeah. We are definitely we're definitely going to get to that. We're gonna go play. to www.fastidejazz.com or download, stream something. Hit me up on Facebook. We're I'll sign some yeah. CDs and mail them to yeah, you because I still got CDs. We're definitely going to let okay. everybody know so, how so to now, find you right, later. So, so now, in the tradition of all the blues men, and <laughs> in essence, I'm a, now, yeah. I don't want nobody to get upset. Now, everybody, we have it's about love and let's have some fun here, right? Sure, absolutely. And we're talking about the black men because that's when you say blues. You know, everybody know, or everybody in the hood and the village know. You say, "Oh, he a blues man." Everybody ain't talking. He's a black man because <laughs> all black men got the damn blues. They don't have to be musicians. They're blues men. You know, you look at it on the garbage truck. Okay, <laughs> can we laugh, please? Please, let's no, laugh. No, that's so that's so true. Let's that's, laugh. That's hilarious. That's okay, true, can yeah. you hear the guitar? Yes, sir. Oh, he's got the slide out now. Yes, sir. Now you'll find my name on the 
tail of my shirt Said I'm a Mississippi player I don't have to work She came in a joint Forty-four in each hand She said stand aside everybody I'm just looking for my man single rule because <laughs> there are no real rules to break except the truth is that right sir did, truth, I, did I learn that lesson okay yeah you know that that song is called standing on the corner yes jimmy rogers it's a jimmy rogers tune father father of country music yeah and the thing about that is that a lot of people don't know that jimmy and louis armstrong work together did they really yeah for some reason, I'm thinking there's two separate timelines. No, but they did. They did they work together. Did. And and so it's so interesting, man. So when you talk about the song, Standing on the Corner, Standing on the Corner, I didn't mean no harm. <clears throat> Along came the police, took me by the arm. Profile. Mm-hmm. I was up in Memphis, corner Bill in Maine. He said, hey, big shot, you better tell me your name. You'll find my name on the tail of my shirt. Huh. I'm a... Tennessee hustler, I don't have to work. That's what Jimmy say. Yeah. But I say I'm a Mississippi baller, I don't have to work. You see what I mean? Yeah. Because the Yodel, your lady who That's a, yeah. the the Austrian, the Swiss Alps. Yeah. Your lady who yep. your lady, lady, lady. A little now. But what Jimmy did, bluesifying it. So these bends, which not on this guitar, but so you hear the There's, turnaround. Yes. So and then you hit on a hop. So when Jimmy was saying that he was yodeling the blues, Jimmy Rogers' words, he was coming from the aspect mm-hmm. of the African melisma or blacks in America, whatever you want to call them at that time, right. as opposed to your lady. It's supposed to be the Austrian thing. So you hear the difference. 
as both lady, lady, lady. Or like so, what you just played, right. that same turnaround. So yeah. you get these, these bends, right? Right. And this microtonality. So when we often think about banjo, you know, we think about bluegrass and we think about this stuff in Nashville. But I guarantee you, it didn't start here. No, I started banjo's an African instrument, yes. Well, be, not just the instrument, it's the style. I got, I mean, I'm in Ghana, I'm in, you know, Rwanda, I'm in Morocco. Are you talking about the rolls, the uh, the, the, the the finger-picking rolls? That's what he was right. doing well, on that resonator right there. Yeah, yeah but they're doing uh, it. They're doing, I was clocking the, that. Yeah, they're doing, they're, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jeff's a big one, yeah. <laughs> they're doing it on a one-string ancient Inanga. Yeah, uh, and uh, and so not the Inanga. I can't remember the name. Of the but it's a, it's a old fit. It's it's a one string fiddle, and man, it just sounds like the nastiest, funkiest bluegrass you ever heard from the villages. Yeah. In West Africa. How, how yeah. did you first come to go to Africa, and how did that come about? I mean, uh, well, I think initially the first time I went to South Africa, and I was doing the. Durban International Blues Festival. How old were you at that point? I don't, I don't know. Probably thirties or forties. Uh-huh. And then, um, then I, the next time I went back, I went for Joy of Jazz, which was incredible because now I'm, you know, the blues as we think about the blues here, no one had. Well, let me put it like this: this the the culture is not the same, right? So we go, for example, uh, I believe, I believe I'm going to go back home. We got the moon. I'm overemphasizing this, of course. So now they're not going to do that. They don't really have that type of experience. Now you have the... uh, uh, So it would be like this. Uh, I, I have to call an ancestor to help me with this, especially when I'm trying to go through. Uh, uh. Yes. You see what I mean? That's yes. the West African right, yes, thing. Right, yes. So you hear the power? Yeah. It's not like... Similarity, there's the overlap, but they're so vastly different. They don't have the experience of this type of agony. That's correct. So they, even though the pentatonic thing, it's much more happy, or there's a certain type of energy. Mm-hmm. You see yeah. what I mean? It's Whereas not, the American, exactly. the American experience on this, separated trans, literally by an ocean. Right, so you still have, you still have. I'm still doing a. Mm-hmm. Well, listen.
It's just cheerful. Yeah. yeah. Right. You still got the minor thing. You still got the right. pentatonic yep. thing. And, and with that stuff, they really didn't lean heavy onto the major third. Right. That's all. You know what I mean? I, and, well, I follow you. I got then, you on and that. And then when you get more into the aspect of, uh, from the aspect of, now that's more West Africa. That's more Ghana. You know what I'm saying? That's more uh, old Congo. Because then with the Portuguese and the Spanish, they brought other things happening. So when you look at the aspect of when you're, when you're dealing with uh, Rwanda and you're dealing with Ethiopia and Morocco, when you begin to go a little further northeast, and when you really dig in that culture, you really begin to see where a bunch of the whole Afro-Asiatic thing. You really begin to see the the, the San and the Kosa people. You know, they they look Asian because Africa being the cradle of civilization, and yes. you hear, and then you hear the way they approach certain things. You know what I mean? And the lower, the further south and the hotter you get. Heat expands things, so the, the 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 tones of the drums are lower, and most people don't think about this. Oh wow! Right, you know, the giant uh, no, drums I didn't know about that. Yeah. Nigeria and South Africa, but when you start going north, what the pictures of the women, everything. When you're getting into, you uh, get out of the equatorial it, zone and Ethiopia. everything tightens up. Yeah, right. The strings get shorter. Thank you. The heads get thinner. So you yeah. right, you're dealing with physics. Yeah. You see what I mean? And wow. they're just working with what they had. I didn't think about it that right. way, actually. Right. And so when you look at... Uh... So you begin to hear these things. You know, I, I could never do that at a blues festival, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't have Malaguena? You don't have Malaguena in your deal? I mean, come on, man. I like it. Yeah. Radio Memphis. in a palace a homeless sleeping in the alley might be a preacher bringing the good news or sinner breaking all the rules no matter where the roads of life might take you there's no borders to the blues no borders to Just 
might be the head of MTV Or somebody looking at the wall Cause they ain't got a TV Might be a doctor writing prescriptions to heal Or somebody sick who ain't got no money to buy the pill You had better watch as well as pray Cause the blues is coming Casting service provided by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated. We are Radio Memphis. I don't want to leave you, baby. Oh, but I gotta go. I gotta go. The pain that this love has caused me. Can't pay no more
Last night, Jackson at Radio Memphis there with uh, Say Goodbye, head of that No Borders for the Blues. Mr. Jackson is in here. I, I'm I'm absolutely just uh, blown away by uh, blown away by your presence here in this room, sir. Thank you. Thank you all for inviting me. I feel very. Well, we ain't done with you yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. We're gonna need your social security number. Yeah. And your bank <laughs> you need your pastor's phone number and uh, your name. Well, let me say this, man, because you know I, I love you know my Memphis family, and there's so many people here that sometimes you don't hear their names. Uh, I want to thank, just give a shout out to Michael Tolles, the great oh, Michael yes. Tolles. Oh, yes, wow. Michael yes. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to two that have gone on. And uh, William Brown, who's a great mm-hmm. engineer that I work with. Also, uh, I think, oh man, Ronald Jackson is the engineer. Because I, I, I do, was doing a bunch of sessions here, I think. Wasn't that place, was it a place called Kiva? Yeah, Kiva okay. Sounds, yeah. Kiva, and then there was Sounds Unreal. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, Robert Jackson. I said Ronald Jackson, but it was Robert, Robert Jackson. Jackson. Robert Jackson. And, uh, and uh, then there was, uh, was a Memphis Recording Company, wasn't it? Still mm-hmm. something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, Arden. I used to over Arden. And Steve Potts, A. Potsy, and uh, Dave Smith. Dave, 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 Dave Davey Smith, yeah. yes. And uh, Ernest Williamson. Of course. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm not going to remember everybody's name, but I don't like to be just doing an interview and then people talking about talking about me. And then there are all of these, uh, oh, yeah, Jackie Clark, you know, just, you know, these great mm-hmm. friends and musicians that are here in Memphis that I've had an opportunity to fellowship with and create music with, and they've supported me and they've taught me. I've learned so much from it. And so, hey, yeah, fellas, if you hear me, great. I'm not, I can't remember everybody's name, but, you know, I just, Thank y'all, all my Memphis musicians and singers, and all all these people. Teeny, the late great Teeny Hodges, of course. Oh yeah. And um, oh, yeah. Hey Boo, Mitchell, and everybody. <laughs> all right, there you go. We um, can move on. Boo's, Boo's not listening to this. He's too busy cranking out Grammy Award <laughs> tracks for Bruno yeah. Mars. Man. Yeah. For those that are uh, tuned in from all over the world, I uh, highly implore all of you to uh, head up your, uh, get your browser open and head on over to uh, vastijackson.com, V-A-S-T-I jackson.com. The whole story is there. There's a place for you to get music, add this stuff to your collection. You won't be disappointed. No, no. I saw Vastai perform at the BMAs and lose <laughs> messing around. Some reason. Been, the first time I'd been exposed to you and it was just... You've blown. been doing this for nearly 50 years. How many, how many albums do you reckon you're a part of? Man, I just... Have you lost count? I never thought about it. It's so weird because of awards and stuff like that. I've never taken anything out of a box. Yeah. It's just that well, it sounds like it's a music a job. You I mean, have you one a working man's professional musician, right? All the session work, all the yeah, and the live stuff. But I mean, it's just like. But what did you music. say though? You're not you're not in the music business, are you? Yeah, I just do music and people hire me. You have won so many awards over the last few years. Um, this year, you won National Blues Artist of the Year Award. Um, last year, you won the Pinnacle Award. The year before that, Polar International Music Award. Um, yeah, and also, fun. and also, the same year, you were the Grammy uh, nominee. 2017, Art Ambassador. 2016, Grammy nominee again. 2015, Albert King Lifetime Guitar Award recipient. 2014, Cultural Ambassador. 2012, Memphis... Mississippi Musicians Hall of Fame inductee. I mean, the, I'm sure those that doesn't even probably include everything. That's just some of them. And I know you have performed all over the world. Um, you were talking earlier about being in the per- 
Peretta Blues Festival. Um, I can't imagine anything pretty much that you haven't done um, from songwriting to performing to uh, being an actor to working with Martin Scorsese. Is there something that you haven't done that you would like to do still? What would that be? Uh, I never thought about it. You know, it's just like, this is the journey. Wherever the road takes you, right? Where God just gives me purpose. Yeah. And I'm all right with that. You know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, the next thing, you know, if it's an interesting thing and the spirit feels right, Mm -hmm. let's endeavor, you know? Um, that's kind of kind of my approach. I mean, I just did some reggae tracks about three weeks ago for um, oh my God, what's the guy's name? Uh, I uh, can't think of his name now. Anyway, uh, Courtney Bam Diedrich. He's a drummer for Ziggy Morley, and his brother's a keyboard player, and uh, some some just with some friends from uh, Dem- Democratic Republic of the Congo, and so. It's great stuff, you know what I mean? But I'm sitting in Hattiesburg doing reggae tracks. So you worked with the Doobie Brothers, too? Is that, uh, yeah. I, that's And that's a completely different avenue. And I had to play banjo. <laughs> I had to play banjo. Uh, um, uh, Six-string banjo, bantar. Yeah. Uh, on listening to the music. So um, wait, you uh, you played on listening to, to the music? Well, it's live. It's it's a video over somewhere. Oh, it's, it's, it's the live the live performance. Okay. okay. So I work. Uh, with an organization called Playing for Change mm-hmm. and and so we do world music really world music I mean with musicians all over the world from Pakistan you know what I mean from I'm, I'm hip to them that's some right. cool stuff you guys are right. doing so um, so Mark Johnson called I said well look we got this thing coming up at the mine with uh, Little Feet the Doobie Brothers um, anyway some, someone else and so, you know, we're tied for time. Can you write some charts and just be the MD, you know, for, for, for this thing? So I don't remember where I was. But anyway, I flew into L.A., so I was up, like, you know, night. You know, I flew in that day and was up virtually all night writing charts for, for this stuff. And so we had, like, uh, one rehearsal and one sound check. And um, what's the guy's name? McVie? Is it John McVie? Not, 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 uh, not Fleetwood Mac. That's that's. But, he's like read my mind because no, no, that's no, exactly no, no. what I'm anyway. Thinking. The guy plays plays the guitar with the doobies. You know, there's there's uh there's uh Johnston and there's Pat Simmons mm-hmm. and then there's the other guy who's a great player. I mean, he plays uh, fiddle, violin, yeah, yeah, plays pedal steel and uh, and all that stuff. So we're 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 in the rehearsal and he and um, he goes, wow. Yeah, I really I don't often say no unless I really think I can't really really can't get something prepared for when they, they want it. So, oh man, that's great. You, you, well, um, can you play banjo on on, on, on blah, 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 blah? I'm like, uh, yeah, I think we have a bantar around there somewhere. Just kind of give me the part. So, there it was. And then, so, he's like, yeah, well, take the solo. So, I'm at the Mayan <laughs> in huh. L.A., and listen to the music and I'm actually doing a banjo solo wow. <laughs> somewhere awesome. on video awesome. or something but yeah I mean they're great guys you know yeah I mean? the yeah. playing for change is pretty slick I saw I think it was the one that Keb Mo had done Keb does this, this he, he's all over that thing yeah and I just did a, um, a vocal <laughs> arrangement for Cat Stevens yes use of Cat Stevens a song called um, Peace Train mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so it's out now and uh, so the choir voices that's my my singers 
And so they flew into Hattiesburg and I, you know, arranged the vocals, everything. So it's like stuff like that. You know, like you can't imagine. You say, well, do you have anything that you really want to do? Well, where are my dreams? I'm going to be thinking like, uh, uh, oh, yeah, one day I'll be doing vocal arrangements for a Cat Stevens song. <laughs> Well, I don't know. After, right, her, after right. her reading your list of awards, I mean, and everything else, I feel like this music thing just might work out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you might want to go ahead and give up that day job, there, yeah. Best. Yeah. I, you know. Yeah. So, so you know, yeah. I mean, you know, it, the fun thing is that I get to go. You know, what I mean, from Coco Taylor to Cat Stevens. Uh huh. Yeah. You see, but you couldn't have predicted that. I could not predict it. Yeah. And so the thing is, being a lover of music, that's the thing. I love music. So therefore, and I, I have I've had a lot of fun, you know, playing a lot of guitar and and but music is what it's about. It's not about the instrument you play. Mm -hmm. it, it's the music you play on the instrument or through the instrument or through yourself. You see what I mean? Right. So, so but it is very important what category you play, in, right? What kind of music? Whatever kind you want. <laughs> You're going to put them in that box. Yeah. yeah the, no, no. I think which, the box which is leads silly. Me to the, the genre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, which leads me yeah, to this, and be. I thought about this earlier, too, with, the, with, the, with the, the style and breadth that you have, whether it's soul or blues or rock. What are your thoughts on country music? Hey, come on, man. I love country music. Are you kidding? I mean, now, what, what now, 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 country, I just, I just country has like country. weird... Did I, not, did I not send you? No, did I not send you my country song? You did. I have a country song that's called uh, "Low Down, Hold Down." Come on, I mean, I mean, Jimmy Rogers is country yeah. blues. No, 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 no. Are you asking about like modern country? I'm well, talking about, now, I'm no, talking that's about country music. It's me and a fiddle player. It's just a right. guitar. Me and a fiddle player. So you don't go to Nashville, I assume. I do. I used to work in Nashville. <laughs> I love Nashville. Are you kidding me? Um, I, I recorded a live record at Printer's Alley. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In uh, Bourbon Street Blues and Boogie Bar. Right on. How could y'all get a good recording with all the bassarets screaming in Bro, the background? Bro, <laughs> listen. See, this is the thing. This is the thing. I'm going to tell you a story about this. And so all of the music people out there, as an independent, whatever you want to say, record label, publisher, or whatever you want to call it, Bourbon Street Blues and Boogie Bar, uh, Pro Tools, Digi01. I'm just, give me a minute. Right. It won't be long. <laughs> oh, we are, we're waiting. So, time. so I'm like, man, look, you know, the band is sounding good. I'm going to record a live record. Okay. So we had Howard Larrabee on keyboards, who was the musical director for Gretchen Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, oh, who was that on drums? Was that? Uh, I don't know if it was Darren Darren James, who was actually originally from Memphis. I don't know. Yes. Not Darren, I don't think it was Darren. I can't remember who was on drums. But nevertheless, so I said, okay, give me the steer out on the console. Right? Guys, okay, that's it. We're recording both nights. So it's like live, live in Nashville or something. I don't know what I call the record. Anyway, I played this stuff back, two track, recorded two track, and I went like, Okay, this 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 has the spirit. This is banging. This is banging. Oh, that works. This is banging. So I go to the guys. I said, "Listen, man. You know we recorded those two nights." I said, "So I know I paid you for the gig, but I'm I'm going to release this. So what I what I owe you? Because we got to stay righteous with our 
right. family, right. right? Okay, this much money, right? There was no mixing. Huh. Why? It's two track, or you can do as master. Right. Whatever came off the board was Whatever what you came got. Off the yeah. Board. yeah. And we it, it, and, and everything except one solo that Howard Larry plays it. And you can't put that solo on there. Other than that, that's it. And and let me say this, because this is the real deal. The most money I've ever made on any product was that one. Really? Yeehaw. I mean, I'm talking just. I mean, the physical sales. Huh. Right. Well, that 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 music sells. Well, but it also. It goes back to what we always used to talk about. I'll ask you about this as we're talking about the philosophy of music and all that. Right. Um, we've said this many times on this show that blues always has been, to, to appreciate it, it, it really is more of a live experience. Well, So a live album, a live album well, well, conveys the, that experience. Here's the deal. I had to come to grips with, with if I could live with it. I'm like, people are going to love it or they're going to hate it, but it is the truth. Right. If it was a wrong note, do you live with that wrong note? Come on, B, uh, the Thrill is Gone is one of the biggest mm-hmm. blues songs ever recorded, and BB nails the crap out of a B major in that song. It's like one place in the song, mm-hmm. he does a big chink and it's major. Boom! Everybody yep. else is playing mine at yep. third. And you know what? He owned it. He owned it, and no one ever complained. No one ever said, "Oh my God, it's, he just played a B major in the minor key." Ah, forget. No, man, it's the spirit. He owned it. Yes. It was a happen. It feeling. happened, there and the go. whole thing. But you know, it, one chord, one note is not going to devalue true music. Well, that's what I mean. That that experience of recording <laughs> that right there live. Yeah, we wrestled with this one the other night. Yeah, yeah. we were making a record with him down here the other night, and we had. One note, yeah, with an offbeat, and we just oh, yeah. l- leave it. Like, yeah, leave the humanity in the right. song. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, don't yeah don't suck all the humanity, suck all the humanity out by by you know cut copy paste move a line. Right. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. So do we reach? Do we retract the entire drum thing without the guys playing live in the room? Right. And so now your drummer is now playing to right. Something different than instead right. of following the feel of the rhythm section. Right. I mean, I mean, come right. on. Right. That's what that was. I guess where I was sort of leading. And Jeff, you know, he kind of he, he got me right on this one on the on the new the new country the modern country this highly polished yeah. checklist yeah. stuff. Yeah. Personally, I don't I don't dig with it a, with the word menu. Look, yeah, with the word jeans, you got to have the yeah you got to have all this other stuff and it's I get it it sells but it just has no soul. Well, you know, the That's thing... That's my piercing. Yeah, you know, for just my personal ex- experience or opinion. Um, every Everything to me, you know, has the spirit of the authors in it. Samplers, sequencers, computers, everything. So when people talk about these things, to me, the essence of algorithms and the essence of these things are based upon the character and the personality of the author or the programmer. So there is spirit in the machines. Now, I know people are going to trip, but listen to what I just said. <laughs> no, I see where you're going. You know what I mean? It's the ghost in the machine. It's the ghost in the machine. Yes. And that's part personality. Yeah. Because when you take how a person designs an algorithm, then if he, if he reacts to this particular type of, let's say, energy, whether we say personality or words or phrasing, then part of the spirit of the programmer is in that machine. Correct. Now, it's not human in, in terms of 
soul, um, spirit and soul are slightly different. And it's and we me being you know a very curious child, and then God bringing me through some of these things. Uh, I got a call. I think it was 2018 from the Anne's Cowan Institute for the Advancement of Caring and Nursing. Mm-hmm. I'm not a nurse. Well, um, kind of what happened was a retired nurse heard one of my songs. And I'm just going to play a little. Oh, please do. Oh, oh. good. And then, then this will kind of tell you about the story. All right. If I remember it. Ah. So, so they got they got a hold of you because of that tune. Yeah. So, so she said, "Oh, this is great." So, what I want you to do, we're having this. There's a meeting uh, about the development of humanoid robots in nursing because we have such such a shortage of nurses that in Japan and in, in Holland. You know, they were doing robotics mm-hmm. with humanoid robots, meaning that the rubber on the skin is is closer to ninety eight point six degrees. The, the 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 robots are you know, if you speak Italian, if you speak French, so they're learning this stuff so that the robots can do sort of the menial tasks like taking blood pressure and blah 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 and this that and the other, while the human nurses do other things. Let them do that. Well, no, they, they've something. been doing it. They've been doing. Imagine it. waking up in a hospital. Yes. Android, like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, one of those nurses I thought were. So, so the thing is, because of the shortage of nurses being so busy, they were not taking enough time because they couldn't with bedside manner and being more humane and being more caring. So, it's the end. And Boykins Institute for the Advancement of Caring in Nursing. Long, so I went to this institute, and so I had to sit through these seminars and these every every day, nine in the morning, eleven three break. So studying this stuff. I mean, there are people, there are scientists, there are code writers, physical therapists, there are law people for the industry, government. From all over the world, Oman, you know, Netherlands, Holland. and then there's another thing because some in Holland they were looking at the aspect of whether to or giving humanoid robots citizenship. Oh wow! No, serious, serious. Wow. So, so, so 
I'm I'm going through this, man, like from Monday through Thursday. And, and, and what they hired me to do, because the lady had this kind of faith in me, that through this experience, that I would compose a song of music based upon this workshop, this seminar, this conference. Wow. The robot makes more than me. <laughs> and, 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 and actually, I, I should have sent you this song, but I didn't know we would go there. The song is called Healing Angels. Yes. Oh, cool. Healing Angels. That's what you are, sent from up above, you're a shining star. You know what I mean? And saying that, who are the healing angels? They are the nurses. Sure. They are the caregivers. Sure. They are the so forth and so on and blah, blah, blah. Now, this was before COVID. This was 2018. But it just shows you how things can kind of go like this if you're open and you're receptive. Well, you know sure, I mean? yeah. And the love, like I say, so it's about the music. And of course, we love to, you know, rock and, you know, and play jazz and, and all kinds of stuff. But so those particular opportunities, I want to thank all of these people for whatever reason who call me and have some faith or belief or hope. That so they can just drop a concept do down to you, you know and mean? you can turn around and go, oh, I think I see what you're getting here. Yeah. But man, that was, I, you know, it was so intense to whereas I actually had to say, like on the fourth day, I can't take in any more information. Yeah. I really have to pull away. I mean, because it was just... Right. I mean, you got scientists, you got doctors, you got, you know, these people. And I said, I, can, I, I got enough to... It's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and it's online. Yeah. I mean, it's actually online. And they actually featured the lyric in, like, some journal of medicine and talked about it and the whole whole thing. So that's a whole other kind of... Uh, kind of and, you know, I, I teach in Ghana. I teach in, in uh, Argentina. And uh, and Rhonda, you know, you know, I mean, blues and R and B and you know and stuff and well, and sure, stuff for kids and stuff like that. So it's it's just a it's a fun, fun and you learn so much, man. I, I learn so much from 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 these people, man. Since I've been sitting here, I've been learning so much tonight. <laughs> You're wearing we me to, out. You need to come yeah. back because yeah. I mean, I think we've yeah. just scratched the surface well, here. I will actually, come back. I'll come back. You know, I'll come back. Yeah. Where are you going from here? Um, well, oh yeah. Fingers crossed, Peretta. Peretta Soul oh. Festival. Again. So I've done that I think twice. And the beautiful thing, one beautiful thing about it is that uh Graziano Uliani mm-hmm. um <clears throat> asked me to do a Johnny Taylor tribute. I was Johnny's musical director. Right. And there's a there's a DVD live at the Fairmont in Dallas. Uh, well, I'm the MD and the contractor for that. I think it was like maybe 24, 25 or something when we did that. And uh, it, it's 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 really, yeah, you have to check it because the band is killing it. You know what I mean? Uh, Tony Hall from Dumpster Funk is on bass then. He played bass with me with ZZ and then with Johnny as well. So he's in that. Uh, the great Harrison Calloway on trumpet, who was the Muscle Shoals horns of yes. the director. Yes. You know, with, with, uh, uh, the Osmond Brothers won Bad Apple, don't spoil a whole bunch. Right. Uh, what's the guy? Um, uh, I can't think of his name now, but uh, John Denver. Also, all of that stuff. So I was, you know, working with Harrison and those guys, you know, with the Malico stuff. And with Johnny Taylor, so it was a great. When when is the Predator thing? Have they have they set a date for it? Yeah, yes, uh, December twenty seventh through 29th. Oh, they're doing it. Th- oh, they're doing it. Th- well, they're doing it now because you know the past two years it's been screwed it's up been because of COVID. Okay, yeah. so they're going to do a winter a winter thing. Right. So right now, once again, 
fingers crossed, right? If we can get there, yeah. Right. So that's what's that's what's on the books. And I do um another musical in Europe called Simply the Best, which is the Tina Turner story. Yes. So I'm I'm the MC, I'm sorry, yeah, MD, and I play Ike. You know what I mean? So I, I have my Afro wig, you know, and the goatee. <laughs> You're going to play Ike Turner. No, I do play Ike. I've been doing Ike since 2017. In a, in a, it's a huge musical. It's like 33 people on the road, tour buses. I mean, five LEDs. I mean, it's serious. It's it's it's, it's, it's a, a show. It's yeah, a it's musical. A, it's, not, okay. it's not a tribute. So it's this is on the road. Play. Yeah, I mean, we do residencies, like in maybe a theater for five weeks or four weeks or three weeks, and then there's, you know, there are tours as well. So it's coming back out too, then. That is that is supposedly gonna kick back up in 2022. Nice. Yeah. Good. So um, we 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 do that and. Um, Who plays uh, Tina now? Uh, a incredible artist. Her name is Coco Fletcher, Dorothea Fletcher, and she's originally from Huntsville, Alabama, huh. and she's a uh, yeah, she's killer. Uh, and so we do that. And then we just, we did a thing that I'd started working on this thing in 2017, but we finally had the opportunity to, to do it in Hattiesburg called, uh, the name changed. It's like down, Motown Downtown or something. So we put together a whole Motown thing with narration, you know what I mean? And which covers, you know, we're from Smokey, you know what I mean, to the Spinners, to the Temptations, uh, Mothers, Vandella, Temptations. Nice. The OJs, yes. all of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so, it, so, so that was fun. Because uh, I I got to do Marvin Marvin Gaye <laughs> and, and Rick James and like I don't know who it was like the Commodores or something so that stuff and then we have one that I do call uh, Robert Johnson the Man the Myth the Music uh-huh. you know that uh, oh yeah what's the name of the chair playing <laughs> Well I feel so lonesome can't you hear me when I'm on Said I feel so lonesome Can't you hear me when I'm on Been driving my airplane For you since I've been gone Well I flash your lights now mama Should I'm bound to check your Should I flash your nice to mama? Should I'm bound to check your hell? Say there's a woman I've been loving way down in Arkansas. You know the call ain't even buzzing. Old generator won't get no fire. Motors in a bad condition. I got to keep taking. I'm crying, please, please, don't do me wrong. Hey, who's been driving my airplane for you since I've been gone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I was once. A, a friend of mine built one, and because uh, of that song, I says, 
I want to ride in that. Yeah. But he had turned it into a street ride. Cool, so man. How he come there's never been a proper biographical picture done on Robert Johnson? Is it because his story is... What do you mean, picture like a movie? Like a movie, yeah. Yeah, there have been did, several. Yeah, didn't you see Crossroads? Oh, Crossroads. stop it. No, I meant yeah. proper. I mean, you know... <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you know... That, I mean, you got to tell proper. both sides of the story. Oh, I mean, you got to have the myth and you got to have the legendary... Keb, Keb, Keb did one, and there's maybe someone else. But the thing is, I had to do a bunch of research on this. Yeah. Uh, uh, for a film called Stop Breaking Down. Yes. Okay. And this was before Claude Johnson was actually legally certified as Robert Johnson's only living descendant, his son. Right. He died a few years ago. Right, right, right. And so... He was a preacher, I believe. No, no, no. He's just like a, you know, worker, construction worker and truck driver. stuff. Oh, like I got you. Okay. But, but anyway, so the thing is, is that through that research... We know that Ike Zinnerman mm -hmm. was one of the main people who taught Robert. And like when Robert left, he didn't leave and go for two weeks. It was more like two years. Yeah. So he went, oh, yeah. he went in the woodshed like mm -hmm. we all do. He had lots of old musicians. Was it in Arkansas? Well, and, huh? well, was it in Arkansas yeah, that he went? That's, well, no, that's, he, one, of the, that's one of the stories was that he went to Arkansas. Well, I mean, he, Arkansas, the Delta, he yeah. went different places. He actually went, went to New Orleans. He went... Mm -hmm. Different places, but there was, you know, um, ultimately Texas. I think at one point to and record. And there was a rumor yeah. that he yeah, would. And that there was a rumor point. that he would go and sit out at the uh, graveyard, and that's where he would he would he would play too. Well, I, mean, I probably, don't know if that's true listen, or not. But he probably did. But the the main thing that's important to know is that he didn't sell his soul to the devil, and there was no right. magic. Why he right. Became a great right. right, 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 more, right. It, I mean, it was that's more. The main it, thing. He, he played and he practiced. If, and he if that happened at all, if that happened at all, was more so with Tommy. The rumor was that that if that happened well, at all, was more so with Tommy. Well, I mean, listen, here's the deal. Um, there is a sense of personality that many of us carry. We can call it bravado being braggadocious or whatever. We want to create a persona. I'm Superman. I'm Batman. I'm the Joker. You know, I'm, I'm a bad man. I sold my soul to the devil, so right. you better not mess with me. So the, the actual truth of that in the culture, in the black community, there are lots of people who said that. Sure. See, yeah. it, you know, it wasn't like someone was a guitar player or someone said, don't mess with me, boy. You know, I'm the devil's son-in-law. I'm Petey Wheatstraw. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You, 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 right. You, you know what I'm saying? So that's that. that so Johnson could have perpetuated it himself. Absolutely. More than likely he did. Well, we talked about this a right. lot back in the day on this show, too. One of the things that I think contributed to that legend was how he died. With the with, with the, the strychnine, yeah, or just the, the the howling and the writhing and the screaming, the foaming at the mouth and the mouth you know. And the, but, but the thing is, if he died that way, fine. But but it was common for men to be braggadocious, right? Sure, to build personas about themselves. Sure, it was like a float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm this, I'm that, I'm a bigger man. I got a faster. Tongue, I got a faster knife. I'm about, so forth and so on, and all of this stuff. But, but through the the the, the research, not just for me, but other people, you can hear, hear, hear this person, this timeline, right. this was. Well, it's like the Bible. Why do we say the Bible? It's not one Bible. There are many Bibles. What are you talking about the Bible? Right. What are you talking about? I mean, it's in English. No one spoke English. <laughs> you got your King James version, your New International well, you got, version. The you oldest got your, Bible in existence yeah. is in Ethiopia, right? You know what I mean. So you have, you know, what I mean the, the, the Gnostics and so forth and so on. So when you look at this stuff, you go like, okay, Africa, Greece, Latium, which is now the area 
of Rome and Italy. You see what I mean? And then you got the Gutenberg Press in Germany. And then you got English, which is, you know, it's really a mo modern English. It's not even old English. Right. And and so when you get through these things. A lot of things get lost. In that right. And then, and then people things, edit yeah. and people delete and people yeah. put in. And then the letter J wasn't invented until 1524. And people say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I used to say in this book. <laughs> yeah, this might upset some people. I used to say the. The Bible's uh, yeah. collection of short stories that was edited by the Catholic Church. Many. So, I mean, yeah. so, so when we look at that and we look at Robert, just I'm saying that to relate to Robert Johnson. Sure, Pocker, sure. It's, it's a that, myth. Right. Yeah. So, therefore, he was a human being. He learned. He lived. He had an incredible journey. He was an incredible musician. He was. There's no two ways around that. And he didn't just play blues. No, he did not. Uh, uh, Red Hot. Okay. That comes to mind. Man, you got me thinking about stuff that I ain't. Well, I, 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 I'm going to really destroy this. I knew it. Hot tamales in the red hot. Yeah, got to sell. Nickel got pulled down. We'll say you more, but they ain't none of mine. Hot tamales and the red hot. Yeah, got them for sale. Yeah, got them for sale. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was one of the. <laughs> wow. Yeah, rhythm changes, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Rhythm changes. And so when we look at that. Yeah, stuff, do another one. So when we look at that, you know, like, for example, uh, uh, Another rule over there, by the uh, way. But that's the whole point, yeah. So I'm just saying, so I mean, so 12 bars, why? Why? If you want to, but I mean, you don't have to. No. You don't have to do that. I mean, I mean, where you go. But the point is, you know what I mean? But why not? If, I mean, if, you, if you feel... Well, if that's what you want to say. 
I know I'm I probably missed the influences conversation, but I've heard you throughout the evening throw out like Joe Pass and Pat Metheny and uh, who who are your jazz who are your jazz guys? Well, initially, you know, it was Wes Montgomery. Wes, you know, yeah, was, yeah. You know what I mean? And then it was Joe Pass. My guitar teacher in college was a Joe Pass, like, disciple. He loved Joe Pass. Because he's a big-ass stranger in this <laughs> <laughs> no, you can say whatever the fuck you want. I know, seriously. It's the truth. It's the truth. Those big strings ain't gonna get in the way. Do you still have that big 175 with of the course, 13s man. on it? I was 17 years old. Yeah. I still have it. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that was just, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, uh. see like a world-renowned guitar player doing the same shit I do in my bedroom, which is no, no, no. What did you say? We used to say was that the most common note amongst the guitar player was shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. No. But, you know, it's like it's really, you know, it's it's like a mental exercise and physical yeah, exercise yeah, yeah. because you know what I mean. If you're not playing that kind of thing, yeah, but there's muscle very, memory though, it's right? Very it's muscle, muscle memory, but not yeah. so much in a thing if you're thinking about. If you just want to say, okay, let's see how I, what does this play into? You know what I mean? If you're, you're going to say, like, okay, if it's a, uh, you know, or the diminished thing, right? Yeah, yeah. How would you use that? Why would you use it? You see like, what I mean? What, what, I'm feel, what mood I'm feeling, how do I put that Right, in and if you're going to do that, right, right. So if you're going to go... really want to say that as opposed to Chromaticism very much. Oh, no, no. But no. It, it's a place for it if you're going to do it. Let's go back to this bravado thing we were talking about mm -hmm. uh, uh, Johnson and whatnot. And, uh, is it, is it, does it get to a point where some of that stuff, as, as in yourself, it becomes a thing where you authentically own it? And we have a name for it, but not it's, it's not a derogatory thing. It's just, it's just what it is. What is it? It's called authentically cocky. But they call it AC. I didn't name it. But I was called Look, that once. I said, "What's that?" Listen, I'm authentically cocky. Yes, yeah. and you're authentic. Listen, you learn some things, and I think I think there's a thin line between uh, confidence mm -hmm. and cockiness. I think I think the uh, I don't want someone who's going to be doing brain surgery or pulling my tooth yeah. to be timid. I want them to be authoritative in what they're going to deliberate. Do. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean the guy is cocky. He may be assured. Now, but there's a different thing to where we can have fun with persona. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think and, that's where the, the word authentic changes that somewhat. Well, I don't even, I, don't, I, th I think you can be authentic in the execution of the art and still have fun 
with the presentation. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I don't think that it has to take anything away from the execution. You remember some of those guys? They would score the football, the touchdown, and then they would do like this weird dance, and yeah. then they'd go like, "Oh, right, well, that's, that's right, not right. cool. That's disrespectful." Yeah. Blah, 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 we're gonna <laughs> look. The How guy, the, the guy just freaking executed this yeah. pass and this touchdown. Yeah. And now he wants to shake his behind. Right. It, it's entertainment. He's celebrating in this way, not the way you would celebrate. So is that him being cocky? He's already done the work. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. the execution is there. Yeah. So listen, and we are, and you know, and plus as as I mean, whether it's uh, Britt Mason or whomever, when it, when the red light goes on, you need to be authoritative. That is that. I mean, you being cocky because you're playing with authority. If you know that's what it needs, and you know you need to be solid, it, this needs to be really a big thing. Does it mean like you said, hey, look at me? No, you're is not. It, no, you, you know, here's here's a here's a task at hand. Right. Exactly. You, same task at hand when you first picked up the guitar. Right. So if you now 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 if you want to say, look, okay, let's have some fun with this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look at Eric Gales. I don't care what what do you say about this, that, and the other. He's an exceptional artist. He's a brilliant guitarist. So if he jumps or if he screams or if he laughs or he shouts in between those, why would you say he's being cocky? He's in the moment. Let him celebrate and Mm. do whatever the thing is. That doesn't take anything away from the artistry. Now maybe some other guy just want to stand still and never move at all. First of all, we've seen this guy go through this. Steve Vai. You know, we've seen Steve Vai become a great entertainer. Right, right. But it doesn't take anything away from his artistry. Right. But you can go back before he be shows so much bravado and, and just becomes so he ostentatious. Wasn't that guy. In his he, he wasn't that. He was his, not that his, guy. His playing, playing was brilliant then yep. and is still brilliant now. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So. I mean, I don't really care, man, what style. It's either good music or it's bad music. I don't care what you call it. Well, you know, that's... You know what I mean? To your point, though, I mean, I think... I think when you see somebody like Eric Gales hooting and hollering in between notes... Right. You're... You say that's being cocky. That's probably you ascribing... From you, first, yeah, you, yeah, you. you're projecting you're onto projecting Eric. Projecting onto him. Eric's you, probably experiencing a moment of pure joy, and that's why right. he's making them. You, you know, you don't, you have not lived yeah. what this person has lived. So, right. I, I mean, yeah, I can take news that he's paid to me right there. But what I mean, I, whether it's Segovia, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether it's, 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 it's whoever, you know what I mean? Whether it's Eric Gill, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter to me. Whether it's uh, Tommy Emmanuel, are you kidding me? Come on, bro. Just it, either it's good or it touches you or it doesn't. Right. You know what I mean? So when we get to certain things, I mean, there are certain things we know. I mean, you know, there are certain guys who are really, really great instrumentalists in their craft, and they project another thing, and then they open their mouth to sing, and you know, nothing, you know they know nothing about the culture. You know what I mean? I don't give a shit. You're a great guitar player, but you don't know shit about the culture. You don't know nothing about the blues culture. You know a lot about about the genre of the music, but you don't know nothing about the culture. Why am I picturing a certain guitar no, player wearing sunglasses when he's saying this? That's me. That's me. <laughs> oh, I thought you were No, no. I wasn't talking about it. The name that shall not be named sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I will say it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, it's just the same thing that I was saying, like, whether well, it's tango music, whether it's flamingo. I'm in Spain, man. I'm going, I'm in Madrid. I'm in Barcelona. I'm hearing these these flamingo players in these little clubs and things like this. And guess what, man? There's no way, you know, I'm going to go in there and, and like, and it, it, because I learned the song. 
Yeah. And I'm going to embody that and, and be some iconic thing with that. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to do it. I can learn the song. I can play the song. But when you when you get in that MC, here's the deal. And I don't want to prolong this. I want to say you this, You could be the next top Marlieber. You don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, you got a lot of people who say they like Flamenco. Uh-huh. And they don't go into the bodegas. They don't go and hang out with the people who are not musicians. Ooh. So if you want to, if you really want to learn more about the culture of a music and the way music is really played from a human standpoint, go around people in the culture who are not musicians. Mm. So when you don't spend time in the village yeah. and you spend all your time watching YouTube or listening to BB King, but you don't go and hang out at the church, you don't go into the projects. You're afraid to go and be around these people and spend hours around these the, people yeah. and blah blah blah. And you learn these licks on guitar, you don't. You can't sound the culture. You can play the song. You can play any style of music you want to play, but you're not. You don't know the culture. So therefore, there are certain things that don't 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 move people in the culture because they know you just playing the notes. Right. Your phrasing is not that. You don't really understand. It's like when people. I work for a lot of record labels, and I make a lot of records. So I actually work for record labels in some some projects where the the the, the executive producer, someone say, "Listen, no, 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 it's too funky." How in the hell can the blues be too funky? <laughs> There's no such thing. Oh, yeah, but some people will tell you don't make it that funky. Uh-huh. Judging is subjective. Of course, it's no, no, all no, no, subjective. No, 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 no. I'm yeah. talking about marketing. I'm talking about marketing. Uh, yeah. So, so for example, for example, there are some situations to where as if you make it too funky, they feel that white folks can't get it. You call me for the interview. So, I mean, you asked me to come here. I, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Sure. Tell you the truth. This is what it's about. We have to love each other another enough to be truthful with each other. I mean, for real. I mean, not not like an act. It's not an act. So right. so when someone say I'm I'm on some session and a guy is singing partially out of tune, and it's not that everything has to be in tune. Pitch is relative. Or you quite don't understand the lyric of, of what the guy is saying or something something like this. And then the people are like, no 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 man, that's real. And I'm like shit. I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> now I understand mumble rap and right, trap right. and all of this yeah. stuff, but I'm just saying. There is, there is a thing like this. Anybody can check me on it if they want to. But this is I know this because I live this. I, I, I mean, I live this. I don't mean live this in, in, as a black guy. Or no, it's a day-to-day thing. You as a professional musician. As a professional musician. Yes. The, I, I know when people say, listen, I mean, this is black music for white people. Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I know when people say, this is black music for black people. Uh-huh. I know how to make those records. Because there's a certain amount of placement. Right. Tone, Phrasing. The drums are this loud. EQ that that people have a certain sensibility from emotional reference. And what we haven't spoken about here is the aspect of epigenetic memory and cellular memory and molecular memory. Is that the wow. that determines whether we're eating Popeye's chicken or Chick-fil-A chicken? Well, it goes a little more deeper than that, but that's a good that's an idea. That's a decent yeah. analogy, yeah. That's the thing. If, if, yeah, let's break it down. Spoke, absolutely. Well, yeah, there's just, white people fried chicken and there's black people fried you chicken. Just, you, know? you just made me think of what Steve Earle said about modern country music, which was that modern country is rap for white people that are terrified of black people. You understand? So, so, when, you, so, so, when, you, so when you look at this thing, right, yeah, yeah. and you hear, 
I'm a guitar player, so I, I love playing guitar, right? And, and you know, a lot of times we were, you know, in so, doing so many sessions, you really have to play what we would call in a day. The people, we had to do X amount of songs, three songs in three hours. And and, and, and the thing was, if you started noodling too much, somebody said, like, please play the money notes. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. means you're playing too much and find the counter melody or something real quick. No, Mississippi, I mean, all, every, we're all looking for the money notes or the money parts in sessions. I meant three hours. Yeah, oh, yeah. So from that standpoint, you, you get me? So we have to look at the aspect of saying, okay, where are we within the aspect of when we t think about psychology, you know what I mean, and culture, and what sounds and what rhythm people are have natural, you want to say, epigenetic, biological, DNA, so forth, too. You see what I mean? Because if you go to Poland, it's a different vibe. Yeah. You go to Germany, it's a different vibe. You go to Norway, it's a different vibe. Europe is not monolithic. Right. No, no. You see what I mean? So you have these these things, the tick, 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 and it's the same thing. So people have natural inclination. That's why when you're in Europe, and even most of the time in America, once you start a groove because of certain things, most white people begin to clap on one and three, not two and four. <laughs> That's fact. You know I mean? It's so true. It's not a criticism. No, it's, it's just what it is. Cultural. Yeah, it's it, it's what it is. There's right. been jokes about that in the Memphis music scene for years. Right. Yeah. It, it is not an issue. I'm just saying, so no. just respect all culture. Right. Don't criticize because this culture is like this and that culture is like that. They all are real and they should be. So uh, let me ask you this then. As a professional musician, what do you listen to that really gives you joy then? Everything. There's something new or a new artist or no, Adele's man. thirty. I think. I think. Every, yeah, Vasta is really in Adele's new record about divorce. Well, yeah, <laughs> everything. Yeah, sit down and listen to some Dead Mouse no, no, or yeah. you know. No, 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 no. Everything. Yeah. The home of the refrigerator, the clock, oh. the light, the mosquito. It's getting metaphysical. Everything is, oh, okay, no, it's good. not metaphysical. It's just everything is vibration, pitch, and energy. Yeah. And so everything is music to me. Everything is music to me. The water. Tasting the coffee, the cashew nut, all of that is music to me. Yeah. All of it. it well, this is a cacophony. I mean, I have to get away from that because it's just like... Well, it's noisy, yes. I mean, the, the electricity, the lights, the different pitches, where the refrigerator is eight, at 8 flat, and this is, you know, here. So, what? but what I'm saying, all of that is music, and so you you put it in its, let's say, maybe you compartmentalize this or that. So, when I, if you're talking about it in terms of artists... Come on, man, they're great artists all over the place. I mean, of course, Adele is great. I mean, uh, uh, of course, Bruno Mars is great. I mean, uh, 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 Layla Hathaway is great. You know what I mean? And these are just some of the more present artists right now. And people can say what they want about blah, blah, blah. Of course, um, uh, 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 Bruno Mars is great. Of course, Beyonce is great. And so people, here's the thing that gets weird. It's like, and taste is subjective. Yes, right? yes. But when it comes down to the aspect of, let's say, a professional musician that's someone who actually does this, and we don't, we can deal with out of what we think is we like or we don't like, but we can deal with the professionalism and the accuracy of the art and how people present stuff. And we can look at rhythm, phrasing, pitch, right, diction, and, right. and you can say, look, I don't like it. She's great. Yeah. No, no, I, I get that. Yeah, I, I see that. It's yeah. not my taste, but she's great. But now you got people who just want to, what do they call this, cancel culture thing? No, yeah. you're not. Right. You just no, want to well. blow people because you don't like them, yeah. and you're not taking a look at 
they are actually executing this. And and I can listen to it and tell you what and what's auto tune and what ain't auto tune. So I know the people who are singing well, this. And part of that I think even goes deeper than that because I know for a fact my life just changed recently. I met this black gentleman that took me, and I've been around black people all my life. I grew up in Detroit, Flint. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and so I'm real comfortable with that. But I took this guy, and he took me places that most white guys don't go, and, mm -hmm. and made me very comfortable there. Mm -hmm. And now I go there without thinking. Right. And, and and it's not until you get to those places in your life that you really understand that culture and absorb most certain white things. People don't understand black culture. That's why they just that's a fact. Listen, they don't know what it's about. It's like, what are you going to do? Take me to Appalachia? And I'm going to like, oh, yeah, I, I understand this. I got exactly. this. Man, no. It's just. I saw true. Deliverance. I know what this is about. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, you also hit on something, though, that I've, I, as I get older, I, you know, I asked when I was young. You know, when you're younger, it's a lot easier to say, like, I don't like that music. That sucks. Mm. Um the, the older I've, you know, I just as as I grow wisdom, I'd like to think I just, you know, there's a, there's a thing to say that that's just not for me. It doesn't mean it sucks. Doesn't right. mean because you like it, you're wrong. It's just not for me, and right. that's okay. Absolutely. And that's yeah. that's honestly, you know, like like the stuff my daughters listen to. It's just right. not for me. Right. I, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. It's just right. I'm not the target audience, and that's okay. It's the funny thing, man, when people are talking about rap, and it's like to me, I'm like, this is hilarious. Don't you know people have been rapping for? <laughs> Freaking a hundred years. Probably the oldest form of musical expression. If you think it's it's on, it's another form of like, blues. If you really want to get down to it, well, it's the expression. But I'm just saying, when you go back to Wynoni Harris, and you can go all the way back to God, what people were speaking in rhyme and in very monotone and not so much melody. So you get and go back to the 30s and the 40s, where there's recorded stuff with people rapping, what we would call rap. Right. So and then people like, oh, rap is a new phenomenon. No, it no. just it's this generation's. Thing. Every generation has its music, this, that, and the other. It brought it into the into the forefront. Thank you. And it's cool, man. Express yourself. Well, now, sure. Misogyny and violence and all of that stuff is a whole other issue. But I mean, just yeah. in terms of speaking very rhythmically with very little melodic movement, it's still music. Well, you know, I'm glad we yes. come back around. And it's this. art, no matter how you how you Absolutely. dice it up. Because we, I, I did want to, I did want to pick your brain about this. We were talking off air, and I was like, "Hey, let's save this for on air." Mm. And I think we. So when you're talking about appreciating the culture in order to appreciate the music, and mm. we talk about the blues being, you know, there's people that definitely declare that it's dead or that it's, you know, mm. it's not dead what it should be. The people aren't moving the art form forward. Never be dead. No, well, no, we, yeah, one hundred percent. But how do you feel about? I mean, you know, it it, it feels like. Oh, like racially, a lot of white people have co-opted the blues. There's a lot of white people that Joe Bonamassa, eh? Yeah, no, I'm not talking about the Joe Bonamassa's <laughs> in the world. I'm talking about I'm talking about the, the white faces in this room. There's you know you're, yeah. in a room with three people running a, a blues show that are all white faces. Well, I don't know what you mean by co-op. See, that's a big. Well, it's, oh, that's not that. a co-op. No, but but I've been just. I guess where do you where do you where do you sit on the as the blues moves forward? How do we appreciate it if we don't appreciate the culture? But if it speaks to your soul. It's good music. Well, there's that. Well, I'm not I mean, I grew up here. Look, I, I grew up with this music. I've lived here all my life. It, well, it's well, part of my I DNA. Mean, it, it, it doesn't have to speak to your soul. I yeah. Mean, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, the mere fact of the matter is, like, people eat McDonald's and like it. So, I mean, <laughs> what's so good point? That? Hey, yes. that McRib does speak right. to my soul. You did. Okay. So, so all, what I'm getting to is that the mere fact that you can enjoy music without even having a cultural reference. But when it's you get into necessary. the artists that play that music. Okay. I'm, again, like a Joe Bonamassa. What, what about well, it? What, what about it? I mean... What about it? 
Well, that's uh, like you, you were playing stuff from Western Africa that I don't understand the culture per se, but as a consumer of this music that you performed in here, right. I immediately fell in love with it. Absolutely. Yeah. So you don't have to have a cultural reference. Now, I don't care if you, whatever, I'm, I don't have to call anyone's name. I don't care what style of music anybody's played. Play what you want to play. I don't care if it's Santana. I don't care if it's Johnny Winter. I don't care who it is. But on the same time, but you also just said like you're not going to do a flamenco album anytime soon, right? Yeah, but what I meant by that, it, you know, I didn't use the term co-op. So what I'm yeah. saying is that I would not try to say that I'm saving flamenco or something because I do play it well. Gotcha. If I said, I'm going to play this music and I'm going to be a good craftsman with the music. Right. You know what I mean? I don't have an issue with saying, look, I enjoy playing this music. I'm a craftsman. I'm not saving the genre. I'm not blah, 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 blah. Or, or I'm not the some so and so and so in the thing. Right. I understand marketing. Market it the way you want to. If you want to say I am the king of blues rock, let me tell you something. There are lots of there have been a few, I won't say a lot. There have been some artists that have changed their name. By they've 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 said, you know, I'm blah 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 king. Well their name they just changed the name to King. I guess like Albert King, BB King, Freddie King, so if they call themselves King, there's a certain reference. You know what I mean? So maybe there's someone. So you, you people use these references, right? Mm. So therefore, it's like even now. Let's let's go into the aspect of uh, hip hop. Like at one time, there were a lot of rappers using Italian names, or like gangster names. You see what I mean? But Italian gangsters. Well, Al Capone from right. Memphis, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so. Is he co-opting Italian culture? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, no. I, I, I don't, look, I don't believe... I mean, I think mean, culture appropriation is one of those cancel culture things in the day and age well, that we live in. But, 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 but I think... But, but now, I'm it's not... It's a say, term that doesn't make sense to me to a degree because... Well, well it does make... It makes it, a lot it, of sense it does, to me. But, no, but, but when you get into art, when you get into yeah, so, style so, so, technique... So now where you're going with this, I'm trying to keep up with you. Okay, okay. That the mere fact of culture vultures exist... Yeah. Yes. So and so, therefore, when we look at these things, uh, whether or not what people are selling to a certain group of people, if that is their marketing strategy, I can accept that from an intellectual standpoint of marketing and business. And I'm not looking at it in terms of art. Now, if you want to grab this culture. You see what I mean? And you feel as a business person, you can do that. Right. Now, I'm not getting into a moralistic thing. Right. A spiritual thing about that. That is, America is is the greatest advertising country in the world. You understand? Oh, well, we've so got that cornered. You got it cornered. So, therefore, uh, uh, what, what do you only do? I mean, if, if someone says, okay, we're going to do this. And if, listen, let's be real. I really like the blues, example. But I really enjoy it better when I see someone on stage who playing it who looks like me. Right. Huh? <laughs> Sounds like you're looking for a gig. No, 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 no. You, you, understand, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So now when people say the audience at blues festivals are 90 odd some percent European American, you know what I mean? Because we are, you know, I think we all understand the umbrella of whiteness. That's why Memphis people do so much better in Europe. What do you, what do you mean? Just because they're from here, is it not? I, I, I don't quite know the question. They do better? Just because they're from here? 
They're sought after. They look like they're from the blues. If they're a, if they're a Memphis musician, and they're white, and they play the blues in Europe, mm-hmm. are they looked upon more positively or negatively? Well, I, I don't know, but what I'm saying uh, is... Uh, what what I'm saying is let's get a research team on that right. Well, away. no, but I mean, but I but I can tell you what I mean. You know, yeah. here in America, yeah. You know, when you go to a bunch of the blues festivals, you look at the roster and the audience, and then you can ask yourself why that is. And then there is a difference. There though, right? is a difference. Yeah. So, so therefore, when you when you go, um, the the aspect of saying that, well, black people are not playing this music. They are playing this music. They may not playing it the way. Let me use this term. Some of y'all really <laughs> cherish. Let me. Let me. I gotta say it. I gotta say it. You gotta say it. No, say it. Some of y'all really cherish the good old days. Well, it was the good old days for y'all, but it was the bad old days for us. Yes, sir. Yes, now sir. let me. Finish. Yes, sir. Let me finish. Now we already know that a dead black man is safer than a live black man. <laughs> let me finish. Damn. You want the blues? You want the blues? This is the blues without a note, yeah. without melody. Okay, listen to what I'm going to tell you. So, therefore, when we look at the aspect of Ahmaud Aubrey, when we look at the a- aspect of George Floyd, when we look at on and on and on and on, well, you have the blues. Now, that's culture. Yeah. And that's separation. And it ain't changed in 400 years. Now, understand when I say this now, I'm not speaking to you from a point of emotionalism. I'm talking about culture and what things that exists that brings certain type things about. So when you hear a guitar from the aspect of, oh, moan, scream, cry, BB, vast tremolo, blah, 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 this, that, that, oh, yeah. So give me, let me give you an example. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Now, amazing yeah. grace, yeah. How sweet the sound. That's because of the angst of the whip. You understand? That is epigenetic. You see what I mean? That's DNA, that's molecular, that's cellular. That's why it's easy for me and it ain't easy for you. You see what I mean? Now, but the aspect of that, if people would get over the aspect that God created all of this beautiful variety and stop saying you're better, I'm worse, he's worse, I'm better, and I can respect Irish, Scottish, German, Japanese, Spanish, Portuguese as creations. And I'm not going to generalize each individual based upon the general culture. You see what I mean? So, yes, we can talk about things from a cultural perspective, the big umbrella of blackness or whiteness or whatever you want to call it. But guess what? Now, when we're going to really deal with humanity, we have to deal with individuals. But we have to respect what's an obvious truth. So, once again, play any style of music you want to anybody. You can play that. But if you're going to support the music, please be willing to support the village and the creators where it come from. Same thing we do with Bach, same thing we do with Beethoven, we do with Schumann, we do with Litz. You see what I mean? Yes. That's all. That's all. Just 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 respect them. Don't be afraid. Don't love blues and be afraid of black people. <laughs> right? 
On that note, before we wrap it up here, I got a I got a message here in the chat room from Robert Kelsey. Hey, Bob, Rob. Bob Bob Kelsey. Yeah, uh, he said, as a psychologist and a musician. I would love to sit down and enjoy a conversation over coffee with Vostai. Thanks for the deep dive. And Lewis Jordan is my favorite rapper. Oh, come on, my brother. You know it. You know, ain't, ain't nothing here but us chickens. Ain't nothing else here but us chickens. Dr. Robin's the yeah. man, yeah. I would love to be a fly on the wall in that conversation. Well, I would make, probably learn a let's lot. Let's make that happen. Yeah, let's yeah, uh, let's do the thing. Vastai, thank you so very much thank you for all, your man. time. Um, please, anytime, come in. The studio is yours whenever well, you would thank like. You. But I want to say this, and I'll end this. You know, you. You know if, if love covers everything. Yes, sir. And we can talk about music, and we can talk about art, we can talk about anything. But the foundation, man, that we have got to keep in mind is that we have to cultivate, we have to make love every second of every day. We have to make and it. And I tried to convince a, my ex-girlfriend of that. She, <laughs> she did not go for it. And I kept getting dehydrated along the way. And it was just awful. Was Thank just you, awful. guys. Listen. We love you, brother. Listen, Thank you, you so much. Thank no, you. this, yeah, this was, yeah. this was a true joy. This was fantastic. I know you went out of your way to come here. You drove. and Your spirit, uh, your energy. When you talk to me about it, I'm like, i got to try and make this happen. Wow. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're the inspiration. Thank you. You booked yeah. this come, one? Come back in yeah, time. She booked, yeah, she booked this Way one. Way to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I've already heard from Magic Mark. He's out on the road going, oh, I missed this. <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 I know. We've got to have you back. So, yeah. We've got to have you back sometime. We'll do a thing. Last night was so good to see you again. Yeah, so once again, once again, go to www. VastiJackson.com uh-huh. and that's V-A-S-T-I-Jackson.com. Yeah, stream me on Spotify and all mm-hmm. of this, you know, whatever this uh, Amazon Music, all, Spotify. All this stuff. Come on, y'all. We, I'm in a pandemic. I need money. I need more guitars. That's 32,000 no, of a penny per spin. has got to get spent <laughs> somewhere, man. I hear but you. Listen, no. Listen, for anybody who, who who's listening in the world, wherever you are, thank you for taking the time to, to spend some time with us at radio-memphis.com Thank you, This is a very soulful place, very soulful people. The vibe is amazing. You know, I'm probably going to have to come back here and record something. Please do. We can do that. Oh my God. That would be amazing. All right, y'all. That'd be good. I'm out. I'm going to the hotel, motel. It ain't the Holiday Inn. It's the Quality Inn. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't the Peabody, baby, but it's all right. (laughs) Thanks, man. The proceeding was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated and originally aired live on Radio Memphis. Any offers or advertisement contained may not still be valid. All rights are reserved and copyright is held by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. For more, look for all the RMOD players at radio-memphis.com.